0: and Welcome to the Kane and Rinse Podcast, Volume 4, Issue 195. You can play along with what remains of Volume 4. We have just five podcasts to go after this until we take our annual break. Um, And then we will come back refreshed for Volume 5. But until then, you need to play the following games. Threes, Halo 4, concluding our Halo series of podcasts. After that, it's Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey. Uh, Odyssey? New and tasty is what I'm trying to say that that game anyway. Mm-hmm. After that, it's just cause 2. And finally for issue 200, we decided to, to do uh, one of the most talked about and fondly remembered games I think there is, GoldenEye 007 on the N64. Head to com for articles, features, reviews and links to our forum, Facebook page and the YouTube channel. Check out our shop where you can support the podcast by picking up Kanewins t-shirts and bags. Also, please remember we have another podcast called Sound of Play, which is uh, about our love of video games music. We're up to about a quarter of a century of those already. It's been going about a year, I think, nearly now. Um, please review, rate, and most importantly, do subscribe to both of our podcasts, preferably on iTunes, but obviously a lot of you are using Android devices these days and we're available um, via RSS feeds and various other doobries Um but it's all on the site. Check it out, caneritz.com. Now joining me, Leon Cox in this issue, Tony Atkins, Sega, Carl Moon, Hey guys, and Dan Clark.
1: Hello again. It's lovely to see all your squishy little faces, and I'm glad someone did the Sega bit because uh, I thought if it's left to last, yeah. then I'm going to have to, and I can't mm. really do it. Well done, Tony. Chip
0: <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. one two. He sort of does an Elvis type of. He does. Thing. Yeah, it's like a drunken Elvis. So, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's like a it's like a slight homage to the earlier. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog Sega, but done in, in the style of, of this development team. However, before we go on to Comic Zone, I thought as Comic Zone is a standalone title, and we have up to two hours to talk about it, I thought another uh, something that sort of crossed my mind as another interesting facet would be games that also used uh, the similar uh, visual motif of, an, uh, of a comic book panel, like comic book style art or comic book um, frames. And um, but specifically in game, because there are any number of games that mm. use them as uh, you know cutscenes and mm, things storytelling like that. But, devices. Yeah, but so in game, the, the first one I thought of probably wasn't the first, but one that Dan that you've brought to the party is the uh, 2000 AD tie-in Slain from 1987. A weird looking game.
1: Yeah, it is an odd little game, isn't it? Um, it's the first one where I remember. I think it was computer and video games talking about it, having this uh, very comic book uh, inspired. Visual um, style, mm.
2: um,
1: and I think it was the, one of the first of these. Uh, I think there were a few two thousand AD games around that time. I know there Nemesis was uh, Nemesis the Warlock. Warlock. Yeah, mm. um, see, I seem to remember that having a comic side to it. But uh, having looked at Nemesis the Warlock, it hasn't. It must just no. be my uh, my imagination there. But um, but yeah, Slane's more of an adventure game, so it doesn't like I can see that sort of panel in panel and picture in picture was being done in other adventure games then, um, not specifically comic inspired. Like you often mm. got say uh, little pop-up screens in things like even back to sort of Lords of Midnight on the spectrum had yeah. that different pictures popping up at different, uh,
0: times. No. Or what I mean. But, um, yeah, now I'm thinking of, um, uh, spellbound, the sequel to Finders Keepers, which used that windimation, which was a sort of actually it was a sort of early uh, Wimp, you know, Windows icon yeah, of course. Yeah, that's, um, type of system. Yeah, but that's slightly di- that's a slightly different thing, I guess. But uh, a crossover, I think, from that is uh, Batman: The Cape Crusader, mm. uh, and this was 1988. This was in the run of uh, Ocean Batman games that were all terribly well received. There was uh, the isometric adventure by Ritman and Drummond. There was the movie game to tie in with the first Tim Burton movie in 18. 18- Nine that was uh, well loved, but in the middle came Batman: The Cape Crusader, which was done in the style. It was a side-scrolling arcade adventure, but each time you went from one screen to another, a new window popped up in front, um, and that was clearly meant to be in the style of the comic. The, the cover of the game it was a Bob Wakelin piece, of course, and uh, and it was very much you know it it had. It had the feel of a, of a Batman comic uh, rather than, say, you know, the other games which might have aped the movie or the TV series or whatever.
1: It was, in a funny um, way, episodic as well, wasn't it, if I'm right? You, there were two games in the war, well, two stories within the one game that I think interlinked. Right. There was a, a Joker story and a uh, Penguin story, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, and one that I'd almost forgotten about, but I did play the demo of on Xbox Live Arcade. Uh, but again, well remembered Dan Clark. This is why we have you on these shows <laughs> Unbound Saga.
1: This looks really nice. What was the demo like? I've wanted to play it on PSP all week, and I haven't been able to sort of get round to it.
0: It feel it felt to me I, as I recall. I mean, this is a few years ago now. It felt to me like one of those slightly crummy modern era brawlers, where it kind of doesn't have the same level of crunchiness as as a Streets of Rage or something like
1: that. Well, like like, that turtles remake was from around the same time. That was very yeah, much like that, wasn't that it?
0: sort of thing. And like as you've said here, the it's. It's really quite similar to Comic Zone in a number of ways, although the difference is here that rather than the artist of the comic being sucked into the comic in Comic Zone, this guy is the hero of the comic, or he's a sort of badass anti-hero, and he's at war with the artist. So I suppose it's more like um, that famous Mm. uh, Chuck Jones cartoon with Daffy Duck, which there was a DS game of, the Screwball Daffy one or whatever, where I can't remember what it's called, Duckamuck. Yeah. Oh, where well, yeah. he's
1: arguing back against the yeah, the, the creator, amateur.
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, and there's a there's a interesting DS game that was based purely on that on that cartoon. Um but yeah, so but obviously in this case this is a gritty urban brawler with um it, yeah, and it's 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 horizontal scrolling and it and it's got comic book style art, but I don't think it's particularly to my eyes it wasn't very attractive looking. Um, it has and, got the
1: jumping through to the different panels though, hasn't it? Like yeah. uh, where you scroll around the screen, you can see the outside of the next panels and what have you. Yeah, yeah say, definitely.
3: Surely that's that's the thing that you find if it it's an homage to uh, Comic Zone is where they actually move from pain to pain. So rather, rather than just being a story from like a, a comic pre- presentation, I think the the key for me is for him or whatever the character may be travelling from pain to pain through the side mm. of it. Then that, mm. then that really feels like it is something to like Comic Zone. So I'm not too sure if those earlier games like the Batman game were, were more that or where they were just presented as comic pages that you thought if I remember right I
1: I think maybe the Cape Crusader also had a slight mechanic of that but with going forward and into the screen I think if you Mm. went through doors it kind of felt like you were moving through panels but again maybe on the spectrum it was just very difficult to do such (laughs) effects I don't know but um, the thing that got me with Unbound Saga was the um, you know in Comic Zone where you get the uh, the, he's not the artist um, but the hand popping up to draw more on the screen Mm -hmm. that happens in Unbound Saga and it almost looks like yeah, it, it feels like it's a sort of definite nod to that. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think
0: I think it probably is. Uh, here's one which uh, I wasn't previously aware of. It's sort of it, it's not an endless runner so much as a platform game where you can't stop running, and it's about timing your jumps in the style of many of these games. It's an iOS title called Escape the Page, and I suppose it looks more like a um, like a I guess like a British. Or, well, probably not necessarily British, but a, like a kid's comic. It reminds me of comic. like Calvin
1: without Hobbes. Yeah, yeah, kind it's, of, it's
0: a black and white kid's comic. And, and the character runs from first from left to right, jumping across bugs and holes. And then he jumps and then he reappears on the right-hand side of the, of the next set of panels mm. and goes across and so on and so forth. Definitely a comic style.
1: It's not a great game, but um, I did sure. find it quite fun at least... I hadn't seen that sort of um, visual style used in many other places, and I'm quite a fan of that. So, Actually,
0: maybe yeah, it looks a the bit like Oor uh, Woolly, the, uh, the, the, the famous Scottish. Yeah, um. you're not far wrong.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, the this one, again,
0: I was not familiar with. This is uh, Dave Perry of Earthworm Jim, Mick and Mac Global Gladiators, Disney's Aladdin on the Mega Drive fame. Um, and MDK!
1: One day there will be an Mdk Kane and Rin Mark
0: Mdk. <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, Messiah. Let's not name them all. Um, X- SXPD. So this is the uh, the love child of Death Chase three D from the Spectrum and Mad World on the Wii.
1: It really does look like Mad World, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So this doesn't actually, this doesn't involve you playing from comic frame to comic frame because it's, uh, it is like 3d death chase and that's, that is its inspiration. It says, uh, David Perry's favorite spectrum game, 3d death chase for, for, for younger listeners was essentially return of the Jedi, a speeder bike sequence, but on an actual bike and on the spectrum. And for the time, the graphics were really, really incredible, um, it sort of predated Sega's sprite scaler technology, I think, uh, by a couple of years, and and this was on a you know on your little rubber keyed squeaky Spectrum. So it was uh, it was remarkable. But so this SXPD, which I can't say, um, it's got sort of it's got your uh, on sc- on screen um, onomatopoeia, which is something a lot of games have done. You know, wham, crunch, bang, zap, splat, all that sort of stuff. Um, you said uh, Dan, it marketed as a comic game hybrid.
1: Yeah, if you if you look on the website or read any of the interviews with David Perry from the time, um, well, it's only it's quite a recent game, but yeah, it seems to be marketed as um, half digital uh, graphic novel and half comic book game, um, which I think I don't know even why they've tried that because so many things are that nowadays mm. anyway. But um, but it's uh, it's worth at least a look. Um, a he's a sort of legendary games designer. It's nice to see what he's up to now, um, and. Yeah, to me it did. Although, like you say, with the 3D gameplay, there's no way you can really have panel to panel mm-hmm. as such. But um, no. but if you like the visual tropes of your Comic Zone type of games, yeah, at least look at some videos of this because uh, it's a smart little, yeah, interesting game. Uh, I think it's for charity as well, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, Woo. I believe
0: so. Um, and the last one we're going to mention, and the, these probably aren't the only ones, they're the ones that we've thought of that are of interest, um, is Framed, which is a, a recent independent title of course um award multi-award winning as well and um yeah this is a a puzzle game that is entirely based around navigating your way around screens going from frame to frame panel to panel and the sort of the interesting um puzzles of perspective and uh Uh, the sort of the amount the logic problems that that can create um i haven't played it but um al jay has and he's he's quite a big fan um both both of it visually and as and as a a handheld game i don't know if any of you have played framed no
1: yeah i i enjoyed it to a certain point um and i like what it's doing but it's the kind of thing where i think framed 2 will kind of um what's the word iterate on it and uh and do a little better because some of the decisions seem a little arbitrary as to when you're moving things about maybe it's just that i'm stupid and i couldn't see what the puzzle was and i was accidentally getting it right but um it's it's a very clever idea but um yeah i got to the point where i was a little stuck and just deleted from the ipad
0: yeah easily done isn't it which brings us uh to comic zone well takes us back to comic zone really this was uh 20 years ago 1995 um, I will issue a spoiler alert, but really, it seems slightly <laughs> unnecessary for a game of its age and a game of its plot, which is about as kind of predictable as you could imagine. We've kind of already given the basic uh, setup away. Um, so this started out. Uh, this is this is a Sega Technical Institute game. Um, Dan, you probably know more about STI, than I do, <laughs> if I can put
1: it that way. Yeah. Was I was wondering earlier, was that an acronym? Then we called them STDs over here, but I wondered if STI was. The word anywhere else in the world? Because I think in the states they still they've used maybe, that for a longer time. Haven't yeah, they? maybe but,
0: it was an American studio kind of having a little joke and knowing that maybe the Japanese headquarters wouldn't get the slightly rude gag, or maybe it was just completely innocent. <laughs> um, maybe,
1: yeah, maybe it was uh, sent down by the head honchos in Japan, and the Americans were like, "No, we can't call it that. <laughs> we really can't. No, no, you have to." Um, and similarly happened with one of their games. What? Uh, there was a sega game that uh it was a dreadful japanese film that uh sega technical technical institute were at one point told to make a game of and right. realized that it really wasn't going to work um sorry for not having the name of the game off the top That's of my head uh, i read it it's in the uh, book console wars if you've looked at that but um, yeah there does seem to be a sort of an idea of the uh sega japan pretty much telling Sega of America what to do in terms of development and whatnot. And, um, yeah, so Sega Technical Institute is kind of part of that scheme where th- what they did was they sent over some of, uh, the designers of the original Sonic to go and maybe nurture the talent that they had at Sega in the USA to try and, uh, so that they could, I suppose, annualize the, the Sonic games, get them out faster, uh, get a bit of a better workflow going on that. Um, and I think that's how Sega Technical Institute really started. Um, and then obviously got offered more and more sort of uh, of their own ideas to, time to work on their own ideas as as things went on but um
0: according to uh one softography i've got uh, sega technical institute actually started with the, their first game was the dick tracy tie in in 1990
1: oh yeah of course ah yeah. oh, okay yeah so
0: so they they were around before sonic 2 um and kid chameleon came out the same year um but, yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was, a, was this sort of collaboration where um, as, as the original Sonic team kind of went forged ahead or, or core members of the original Sonic team forged ahead with Sonic CD, um, other, other members went to America and worked with Mark Cerny and STI on Sonic 2, which came out quite well, did quite well for them. Um, you know, not every review was stellar, but people remember it very fondly. Um, and after that, they went on to make Sonic Spinball, and uh, and The Ooze was their final uh, game of, on that uh, generation. They did some other stuff on the Saturn Die Hard Arcade, which was a conversion of the Sega AM1 coin-op. And they also worked on the famous but never released Sonic Extreme uh with Sonic Team. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting history. Um, one of the main men was uh, Peter Moravietz. I... I, I I believe that's about right. If he was Polish, I, he might say it differently. If he's uh, no, he actually is Polish. Thinking about it, I was thinking he was American, American Polish, but I believe he is actually Polish. Yep. I'm going to stick with Moraviec. Uh So he pitched this um, under the title, Joe Pencil trapped in the comic zone.
1: I wish they'd kept the name. It's <laughs> <That's> a great <laughs> name.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Joe Pencil, um, who became Sketch Turner. Uh Another thing you've shared here, Dan, is the uh, there was a promotional comic strip. Was this uh, really, was this um, given away or uh, was yeah? This I part think there the were cartridge?
1: copies. I, I think it came with uh, maybe Mean Machine Sega and um, Sonic the Comic, but there were also copies. I think from what I've read in uh, whatever the shop would have been then, Electronics Boutique would it have been?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, there were yeah something like that. Future Zone.
1: Yeah, I think it's the yeah. I think it was the kind of thing that you'd find in there, like near the counter. To pick up, and then it became a uh, fairly long running strip in uh, Sonic the Comic as well. If I'm, yeah,
0: oh, if I'm right, remembering okay. rightly,
1: it was there was a comic zone strip in that
0: It lasted longer than the um,
1: as did lots end. of things in Sonic the Comic. There's um, yeah, there's games that uh that didn't do very well as games but seem to have like quite a long shelf life in the, in the UK comics. Scene. Is,
0: is Chuck and the Forever Man in there?
1: Uh, I think he did get a strip at one point, or at least maybe <laughs> popped into others, but I didn't. Yeah, I think I was a little old for Sonic the Comic at the point. I've only uh, come to it with, with the hindsight. I,
0: I believe it's still going as well, isn't it? Sonic the Comic. I've, I'm sure I've seen it on shelves recently. Wow. Okay. I think, well, I, I, I mean, unless I imagined it. <clears throat> a- anyway, the, um, the reviews. They still do drifter game, bars, don't they? <laughs> yeah. 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 And Texans. Um, the reviews for this game were. Uh, Moderate to excellent rather than stellar um, back at the time. Um, And there's been some reviews more contemporaneously uh, when it's come out, being re-released on Steam and things like that. Um, And we'll we'll talk about the formats it's available on later. But it's about time we heard from uh, everyone else. But let's start with Dan, though. Uh, What is your actual playing history with this game? Did you buy it on the Mega Drive back in 95? Or have you come to this lately as a Mega Drive fan?
1: Well, at the time, I think it's... um it's at a point where the PC was starting to look like the place to go. Doom had been the previous year, and PC games were was when. You could see graphics cards were on the horizon. People were talking about them. I think the, the very nerdiest of PC gamers had them at the point. And yeah, I'd kind of not quite given up on the Mega Drive. I mean, that year I did buy um, Vector Man, which came out after Comic Zone. So, yes, like, um, so I obviously kept my sequel, hand too. in. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. There were there were that generation. There seemed to be lots of like Swan Songs, and then Swan Songs after Swan Songs, mm-hmm. and so on. But um, yeah, so I first played Comic Zone on a Windows ninety five demo disc. In, um, yeah, in early 1996. So it was part of, uh, do you remember they did the Sega PC yeah. uh, range where there were a few mm. um, Mega Drive games. There was uh, Sonic and Knuckles, um, Comic Zone. Um, I think there was Sonic CD at one point as well. Mm. Uh, and then there were a few uh, Saturn games that got transferred yes, over Sonic with R. early. Sonic R. Um, Virtual Fighter got a release uh, on the early yeah, uh, uh, graphics cards. There was there was one where you had to have a specific type of graphics card to yeah, play. It, because it was, it was an early actually Nvidia.
4: bundled with them um, because that's how I got it. Oh wow! Yeah.
1: Okay. Mm. So you were very early on board with the whole three D PC thing, then?
4: Yeah, a little bit earlier than I'd like to admit, given the money I've spent on them in the past. <laughs> but yeah, I remember getting Virtual Fighter with a with a graphics card.
0: Then polygons. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh So uh, yeah,
1: so I um, played this um, demo. That was just the uh, the first page, as it were, the first level, um, but couldn't really get far in it. And mm-hmm. um, we're going hear that console lot. console ports to Windows at that time were kind of clunky and jerky, anyway. And then the game, to me, even when I played it since, feels a bit clunky and jerky. So never really went back until. Do you remember the emula- emulator Genesis? Now I'm not condoning the use of.
0: It's all right. We do condone the use. You can, well, yeah, the, the use of emulators. I am,
1: yeah. but I wouldn't dare to say that uh, you ever tread over that grey area into downloading games but i was maybe 1920 when genesis came out and i took that as my chance to have a go of the proper thing Mm. again didn't get far and um i I loved how it looked and all of that but yeah never really went further than playing the first few levels until like the past 10 years maybe
0: Mm. tony this was your idea this podcast Um, it was it was a game that uh yeah, I hadn't really been mooted uh, especially of all the all the classics but for some reason you played it and then you decided you wanted to talk about it. So what what's the story? Well, I mean, this was a game that
3: I obviously knew about but I've only just recently played it. So I I played it from start to completion about uh must have been what six months ago now, maybe. Maybe slightly less but around that time. So, you know, on the Xbox 360 the conversion they did there was, you know, it seems to be Fantastic conversion from
0: what I know. Backbone, as usual.
3: Yeah, um aka
0: digital eclipse.
3: But um I, I was certainly aware of this game. It, it, you know, as Dan's already you know hinted at, the, the tail of the, the Mega Drive was very long, and even though obviously the, the PlayStation and the N64 were you know gearing up to come out you know, shortly after you know the release of this game, um the, the n well the Mega Drive was going on for a long time thereafter, and yeah, I would have been what's a ninety five, I would have been 15 um i remember having a bit of money i was desperately to get a, 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 a playstation i was saving all my money for that but i remember seeing comic zone very much in the store and and seeing its art style seeing it in the magazines and thinking it looked utterly fantastic you know i hadn't seen uh the 3d graph or well, i knew what was coming with the playstation but you know that 2d art style still you know stood out you know very you know i'd been playing a lot of 2d games so it, it still jumped off the page to, to have a pun um but like all these things, you know just I never got round to playing it. Never, never brought the cartridge. So I remember it being really expensive when it came out, or it seemed expensive when I was trying to save for a, a PlayStation. So just one of those ones that passed me by. I, I remember the um, strangely. I remember the cover up really, um, you know, you know, is etched into my mind for some reason. I just remember him on the front cover, kind of jumping through it, and the back, uh, the back. um cover in particular you know showing you each pain um, and the kind of like the animation of him dropping down each one to kind of like selling you what the idea of the game was. so although you know I was excited about it I never did buy it um, it just came up one of those things I was looking for something to do it's, I was in an achievement competition surprise surprise um, needed a game that had you know a relatively easy gamer score. Um, to get the game of score. And this game is particularly just play it from the start, finish it at the end. And we were doing the things where we all needed to um, achieve completing like three games in a week and had to be the same games. And that was one of the one that came up. Um, and yes, yeah, so I just kind of like stumbled into it all these years later, stumbled into it about six months ago and started off. And I guess I hadn't quite realized how hard it may be. <laughs> I was like, oh, that, that seems simple enough, and easy achievement list to, to achieve off I go and uh, yeah we'll we'll get into the the story later of uh, what was actually facing me thereafter um but mm. I've I've been back to it since this week I've I've completed it again um and I've even okay. um I've watched It's a lot easier the second time. It yeah. is and, I, and I've watched um you know the the typical things actually this game is easily comp- completable within about 20 to 25 minutes um watching that 12 actually Well I've watched a couple of speed runs and I've watched people just play <laughs> Play it, you know, as say a normal pace, and I think like a normal pace, if you weren't to die, is about yeah. thirty minutes. Um, that sounds about right. Which is about but yeah. Right speed runs are 12, 12 minutes people old. People crazy, right? Um, but yeah. yeah, a normal playthrough. So if you were to start the game and get to the end, is is about half an hour. Um, it took me considerably longer than half an hour on my playthrough. Um, but uh, yeah, that whole yeah you know, hard risk reward etc. So yeah, new to the game, but yeah. it it jumps. It really did jump out the page. We, we were looking for, you know, as we do when we put the show together, we were looking for different time periods. You know, and all, and uh, you know, I got talking to Leon about this game and it kind of brought back some memories, I think, for you. And but yeah, let's, let's, you know, let's actually cover this one. So there we go.
0: Yes, worth saying, of course, that we have had the luxury, or well, we do, if, if playing it now on mm. um, 360 or PS3 or PSP or even PS2 um of save states and the, the abuse thereof and i'm sure you can do that on emulation as well but of course you wouldn't have had that back on the uh back on the, the mega drive cartridge but um we'll talk about that there's a there's a lot later. of
3: original reviews that reflect that
0: uh yes that
3: angle shall we say about yes. how yes. difficult the game would would be for a reviewer coming into it
0: so carl you had a uh, you had a. a, a a virtua fighter capable PC at this point, but did you play your <laughs> Did you play your Comic Zone on Mega Drive or not at all until recently or what?
4: Well, we all know my usual story on this. I go out, I buy it day one. um But this was actually nothing like that. This was probably the game that we've covered so far that I've waited the longest to play. Yeah, uh, I fondly remember seeing this game in a shop, and I believe it was a blockbuster video. It may have even been Ritz video at the time, mm. which is kind of crazy when you go back and. I'd have been there, I'd have gone with my dad to go and rent out a video cassette, which makes me feel really old when I think about it like that. And rather than covering a retro game, when I've, when I've got a reference like that, now I feel, like, old. Um, and they, they got big into renting out video games, um, on, obviously, the Super Nintendo and the Mega Drive. And Comic Zone was on the telly. And I just wandered over to the counter, and I just stood there watching this game been blown away by the the way you would move, you know, uh, panel to panel, and like the, just the animation In through the paper. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking that this is this is incredible, mm. and it was on the Mega Drive. And uh, around that time, I had a Japanese Mega Drive, which was a bit funny. Some European games it would play, some it wouldn't. Um, and I believe I remember I had problems playing this game. We'd uh, my, my dad drove me. Um, many many miles to go and rent this Um, it was like 40 minute journey each way because this was the place that had Comic Zone to rent and it didn't work Uh, which was a little bit frustrating and I always wanted to play it and then years came by I never got it on the PC because nowhere around here had it Um, and then the Ultimate Mega Drive collection got released on the Xbox 360 and the PS3 um i believe 2009 and that gives you an idea of how long i waited to play this game and i was at a lan in birmingham the day that it came out and as seems to be the case i'm the the games i really want to play or some major games always come out the day that i've spent a fortune getting to birmingham to go for a three-day weekend lan uh so so we got there and i'm sort of nudging the the guy that, that i've met there um a friend of mine I'm nudging, saying, you know, it, look, it looks good, doesn't it? It looks good. And he's like, right, OK, I'm going to go and buy it. <laughs> um, and as it would be fitting, he actually bought it from a blockbuster. So it, like, it went full circle. <laughs> and he said, well, I'm not going to play this just now. So he lent me the disc. And I just sat there. I was like, right, straight to Comic Zone. And that was the one reason I wanted to play the Ultimate Collection, was Comic Zone was on there. So I ended up sitting in Birmingham and playing through Comic Zone in one go, whilst everyone's playing the latest and greatest games um, on PCs. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was the game I wanted to play because I was big into not so much the Marvel comics and whatnot, but I was getting, obviously, my age, I was getting Bino every single week. And I just thought, I, yeah. l- I like the comics. Um, and it sort of referenced that. And I thought, well, how cool would it be to play a comic? It just took me 14 years to actually mm. get there.
1: Was yeah. your 14 years younger self, like, really pleased at that? Sonic, like it's, it's like, it's a really sweet story. It sounds like the kind of thing that they'd make a movie out of, you know, like <laughs> Carl waiting for the release of this game. If it had um. only been that one game on the disc, I wonder if you'd managed to talk your friend into buying it if it had just been a re-release of Comic Zone, but on the 360.
4: Well, mm. I'd have tried. Well, that I'd, I'd does uh,
0: exist, of course. On uh, You can buy it yeah. as a separate purchase on XBLA and, uh, and PSN. Yeah, so I, don't,
4: I don't believe that. it was released individually at the time that the... the Ultimate Mega Drive collection was released. No, it came came
0: came yeah. slightly after I think.
4: Yeah, so I you know it, it was it was a case of finally getting out and getting there but you have this picture in your mind and as a kid things are always stronger and you think thinking, this game is going to be so good and often when you build a game up yeah you, you end up disappointed 14 years of building something up <laughs> and nothing can live up to it. So
0: yeah, for me, um, I remember this coming out because I was what twenty three at the time, um, back in '95, and I think it was it just didn't appeal to me that greatly. Like I could see that technically it was it was it was pretty special on the on the Mega Drive, and I absolutely still had my Mega Drive. Was still using it, kept it until you know some years after the you know the releases had dried up. Um, only got rid of it once I could you know play all my favourite games on other systems or emulation or whatever. Um, but i didn't really like the look of the main character um no, i didn't I agree really like completely. the sound of the the soundtrack even though again technically i i could you know people were talking about it um as being you know an impressive piece of work but um we'll we'll, we'll talk a bit about it when we get to that point because there's a lot to say about the soundtrack but um for for whatever reason it didn't convinced me to part with either, you know, full price when it was first out or secondhand price. And then time went on and I had a PlayStation and a Saturn and so on and so forth. So it never happened. Um, I finally owned a copy when the, the PS2 Sega Genesis collection or Sega Mega Drive collection came out in 2006, um, 2007 sort of time. And again, I think I dabbled with the first screen, never got, probably never even completed the first level. um, came out a wii virtual console in 2007 which i didn't get that would have been the pal version in europe so it would have been slower and boarded so um i also got sonic's ultimate uh sonic's ultimate genesis collection as it is in america sega mega drive ultimate collection as it is elsewhere um and i actually got all 1000 achievement points on on that disc it was my first ever like thousand point Xbox 360 completion but I still don't think I got off the first screen of Comic Zone because I don't think that's ringing some memories (laughs) for me as well. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't have to complete a lot of the games you just had to you know, fulfill certain requirements. And it's, you know, it's a fabulous collection in many ways, but the emulation is not up to snuff compared to, say, the more recent Sega uh, Classics collections mm-hmm. that were released by M2 with um, uh, the Monster World collection and uh, Streets of Rage and stuff like that. Um, yeah. The emulation's a little jerky, a little cranky, a little fuzzy. It doesn't feel quite. Hundred percent, But that is the version I've been playing, um, both as part of the Sega Genesis collection on PSP, which is playable on Vita, which I picked up for like three quid, which is insane value for money, even if the emulation is slightly dodgy and the much more fleshed out uh, Mega Drive Ultimate collection. But I actually got the um, they gave away on PS Plus, the PS3 version um, when they used to give away stuff like that, um, because, you know, people hadn't started saying that every game should be like a triple <laughs> a 50 pound classic so they were just like giving away ps1 games and mega drive games and and i was quite happy with that so so i've had it there um and i just played it this week i finally finished i'd f- actually forgotten th- until this afternoon that i hadn't quite finished off the final boss so i literally finished it this afternoon um got both endings and uh, yeah so i have the full the full trophy set for that on on yeah. ps3 whoop
1: yeah applause
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that scenario, we've already mentioned it. Really, um, the I guess the other elements to mention is so yes, it's the comic book creator, sketch Turner, being sucked into his own comic by the villain who has sort of somehow gained life. I'm not sure if it's explained, um, but there's the page gets uh, hit with a lightning strike, mm. and the oh, of places, it does. yeah, yeah, of course it does, um, and he meets Alyssa in there, who's uh, you know, sort of. Um, spunky female character who only at the end becomes the damsel in distress. Like she's actually kind of in control for 95% of the game. And then right at the end, she gets taken captive uh, and you have to free her from, uh, from a nuke. A, yeah. <laughs> but it's Drown. like filling with liquid as well. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't, I, I, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's it. And throughout the game uh, as, as dancers, you see this hand drawing in the enemies um, and there aren't, there aren't loads of enemy types, but then it's a game that only lasts 20 to 30 minutes, as you say, say, or three to four hours. It's ironic for a comic um, book
3: story that there is no story really to
0: speak of. Yeah, I mean, the story is is incredibly simple, <laughs> uh, I suppose, as you'd expect from a, a Mega Drive comic book game of, of, uh, of 20 years ago. But then it was all about the, it was all about, it was a high concept, isn't mm. it? It's all about the concept, really. Um And the presentation is, as I say, I think... um Although it didn't, the actual look, the actual style, didn't necessarily appeal to me personally back then. Looking at it now, comparing it, you know, I do still play games from that era quite a lot, and I can see what a technical marvel it must have been for the time. I'm not sure how big a cart it was. We're dealing in amounts of memory that, by modern standards, are piffling and a trifle. So uh, it was, uh, it was on a, it was on a cartridge. Put it that way, on a 16-bit cart, and um, I think the thing that strikes me is. While the, the visual design of the, the main character wasn't personally something that appealed, the actual the look of the, the, the screen, when the whole thing's up on the screen, is quite striking and convincingly comic book-like. Like mm. I think the artist did a good of selling the idea that this was this interactive comic in which you were now playing mm. a part.
4: Yeah, I think the key part is anyone looking at it can tell that you were playing inside a comic. Yeah. You know, so, so that that first part of the criteria that they went for is absolutely matched, whether they're a gamer or not.
3: Yeah, I think. I think, um, yeah. I think it was, they were lucky. Maybe limited a bit by the platform. Like less is more. So I, I think you know they kept the the simplicity of what a comic book would look like, uh, whilst not maybe widening out. So you're you're quite close into each frame, but there's an, there's enough to visual, you know, enough visualize indication that there's another frame below you but you can't really see what's yeah. what's down there so I, I think by modern standards if they were to attempt this they'd probably go a bit too far like well you know this is definitely a page of a comic book where there were you know i think it's, it's cleverly done that you know the, the comic book deforms around you etc but just from you know if if somebody walks in they could tell yes okay you're i, I get the concept the concept is you're moving away through a, a comic pa- page and it's very clear
1: i think to when- that's credit the fact that we uh, even though none of us played it, sort of uh, at the time it was released, it clearly stands mm-hmm. out in our minds as a game of the time. I mean, we're a, a slightly skewed audience; we would have been very interested in games anyway. But for us all to remember it so vividly, and and the look, like you can before the re-releases, I could picture Comic Zone mm-hmm. in my mind quite yeah. clearly. And like you yeah. say, Tony, the the front cover, uh, it, I think it's um, yeah, recognisable side is maybe wider than the people that have actually played it. So, mm. um, yeah, that it's a very distinct style at the very least, isn't it? I now, also, whether you like it or I not. I also
3: think, you know, obviously you, you touched upon that this wasn't the first to do it. But, you know, certainly within my mind, it was the probably most high profile one. But, you know, around that time, it, it certainly, you know, I don't want to say it, it jumped off the screen, but... Um,
0: Stop it I now. I know, it <laughs> certainly
3: jumped off the page. Um, it was even without playing the game, I understood the concept having seen it. I understood the concept and yeah, sure. Those other games may have existed around it and they, they may, may or may have not been popular, but, um, I remember thinking, wow, that's a unique idea now. Unique's
0: not a word we like to use on this show because it's normally... Well, it wasn't. It's you, well, not, no. it's, it's, it's okay to use the word unique if something is yes, unique. Yes, and clearly, clearly, clearly isn't. It, is, it isn't. <laughs>
3: but in, in the case of you know, me as a 15-year-old, it, it felt very unique in its style. Um, mm-hmm. And I hadn't yeah. really seen anything attempt that kind of idea. And it, was quite, it seemed to be quite a high concept.
0: Yeah, the, I think the other thing that the art style... Um, the the reason it worked on the Mega Drive, if there was one um, issue that the Mega Drive had technically, is that was that once the SNES came out, the Mega Drive's actual on-screen colors were were pretty limited. I think it was only thirty two, wasn't it, um, Dan? Uh,
1: s- um, more than that as a palette, but I think it was only sixty. Uh, six. I think it could do sixty four on screen, or was that only that uh, Ranger X that did the special tricks? Or it
0: may have done. It have may you? have had some stuff, but. My I think it might be
1: sixty four went up to hundred and twenty eight if you halved okay. the pallet.
0: Yeah, sure. The 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 point being that yes, I mean the obviously it, the the, yeah. the pallet you could pick from was larger, but the it it was uh, it could have fewer colors on screen than some of its competitors and its direct competitor but i think the the look of comic zone apes that old style of i'm no expert on the inking of comics mm. but you would get those comics where you you know you would have big panels big washes of one color big washes of another and they they tended to be very limited to keep down on costs and production difficulties now if you buy full colour comics you know modern comic books they look absolutely beautiful full colour you know every page is looks like a a hand painted work of art but back then you got these often like they were out of whack so like Mm. the colour of someone's face would be you know two inches over the side they haven't done that in comic zone although that would have been quite interesting although there's one screen right at the end which is half finished which I thought was quite a cool touch Uh, you can see the actual sketch lines and the the page hasn't been inked in yet Uh, Um, but I think, but it it works well. So it feels like you've got, um, you know, if you've got a background, you'll just have a big swathe of one color and then like a you know, desert color. And then you'll have the sky above, but, Actually, on top of all that there are there are some subtleties and some environmental effects as well as the really cool quite lush animations of things like the bits of paper in between the panels ripping and breaking mm-hmm. you've also got environmental effects like rain and lightning water you've got parallax scrolling um, and then you've got these very vivid and quite large again for the time the sprites um, both of your character and the enemies are quite you know what you would call screen filling of course they're not they're actually they're actually quite small but um, they're they're big and bold and vivid on the screen now actually I think that that kind of plays into one of the first problems I have with the game which is that it always feels incredibly claustrophobic um, when you're not only because you're contained within the panel but every screen is like three strides across sometimes there's a jump to be done um, or or something or or uh, something to hang off but it always feels like you're especially in the smaller panels, obviously. It always felt to me like you were really constricted in movement. So even though you've got this character who can jump, can punch, kick, and he's actually got a fairly large set of brawling moves, um, it feels hard a lot of the time to fully spread your, spread your wings or legs, or whatever.
1: It's almost like playing within a window, isn't it? Looking at screenshots oh, yeah. now, they're cutting off quite a large part of the screen from, from yeah, the panel format. Again, that's why you remember the characters as big, I suppose, isn't it? Because they're panel yeah. filling, even though they're not screen filling you. Yeah, that's
3: probably yeah. Funny very rarely do they ever give you more than. I mean, there is a few scenes where they give you more than one enemy to fight at a time, but it. Yeah, I, I think they they work within the confines. I quite liked it. I I, I like the fact that it felt you know it wasn't the entire screen. As I said, it you know it's it's pulled back just enough that you can see other stuff around you, but they limit it in a way that it's not the entirety of the, the plane area. And I and I think that's probably what sells it to me more as a, a comic pain rather than just saying, well, you... Otherwise, maybe it'd feel a bit like you've just moved from, you know, down off the bottom of your TV into another screen. Like, that That wasn't there in the first place. Um It would feel mm-hmm. more like a, a traditional kind of pain-to-pain pain game rather than like a comic book game. So, I, to me, I think it's essential to sell the feeling of actually playing within a comic book, but I, I also agree with you. It does, It does feel a bit... Of a tight area sometimes when you're wanting to pull off maybe you know a a slightly more trickier combo or an enemy that's jumping around a bit more and you feel like you don't really have the space or the moves to to get out of the way so i think i understand your flying
0: enemies kind of appear Mm. disappear off the screen so you can't kick them and stuff like that i definitely think it sells the world
4: i find it quite hard to play any game where i feel claustrophobic um it's an issue that we saw and I think most people do. I mean, a good example would be, say, Resident Evil six, where they ended up having to patch a wider field of view, for example, mm. because everyone felt claustrophobic and uncomfortable playing it, which, you know, some games actually play on that. Uh, but but with this, the fact that maybe you're only using 80 to 90 percent of the actual screen because of the panels around you and your character pretty large anyway, that combined with the animations and the combat where it maybe doesn't. It doesn't play with a lot of finesse at times. Uh, it it becomes, yeah, I, I guess just really uh, uncomfortable because you're so zoomed in and you never feel like you have full control. It's ne- it, it, even for the time when you compare it to say the likes of Streets of Rage and, and Final Fight and whatnot, that you always felt in control of those characters. You don't with him. Um, so like a, a big mix of things made that not so pleasant to play. Uh it's one of those it's probably more appealing to look at um as a viewer than as an actual player where you can appreciate the visuals of what's happening more. But zoomed in with that you don't get to use up the entire real estate anyway. And as you as you said Leon, the, the characters are pretty sizable. It, it, it's one of those strange mishmashes where it doesn't necessarily all work as a player.
0: I didn't find um I mean, it wasn't like he was for a large character it wasn't like he was unresponsive as such um but no. he just felt slightly ungainly and there are some yeah. well I don't don't want to get too far ahead but there are some elements where it feels like he's you know it, it's that thing where they've gone they've emphasized uh de- in development they've emphasized that they want this you know very large uh, highly visible and readable character Actually, the fact that then they get him to do bits where you're jumping over a, a really quite dangerous pool of lava and you can't tell whether, you know, can I take his front foot to the edge of the platform? Or if I have his front foot mm-hmm. over the edge of the platform, does that mean I automatically fall in and all that sort of thing? Um, yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah. It's not there that isn't a consistency time, to that either, is
4: so. uh, The first time I encountered issues with his size and the animation and the control um, and the precision over it was probably in the third or fourth panel when you get your rat um, out of the cage. Mm. So you get roadkill out of the cage and I remember mm. walking up to it and trying to punch this cage, but he doesn't quite hit the cage as you'd want. So you end up trying to do this strange jump kick um, to try and smash it and you jump on top and again nothing seems to match up with the, with the size uh, for, for, where shoulder he, for where he's hitting. Yeah, and, it, it'd be, and you sort of realise ways around it to manipulate it to work out to your favour. But as you'd expect to just walk up and smash this cage... And it doesn't quite work because it's at that awkward mid height because the the sizes of things don't necessarily match up um yeah that, that was the first time I knew I was going to encounter some issues with the combat
0: the um talking about the the sort of again the technical side and the visual side you're talking about how many enemies are on screen there's one bit where I recall where there are you can have up to three and I don't know if this happened on the original cart but on the emulation uh it the game kind of falls apart in terms of frame rate and um, flickery sprites and all that sort of thing. Um, There's a scene where the, it's the little crouching female enemies with the whip kind of things. And they, you, you fight ones drawn in and you start fighting them. But if, she gets to attack behind her or you kick her behind her. It opens up the next panel and then there's another one spawns Hmm. and so on until there are three. And it's actually quite, you know, I quite enjoy fighting three and you have to, you know, it's, um, this is all played, we should state, this is all played on a single 2D plane, does not go in and out the screen like other brawlers do. Um, And I quite enjoy that sort of, it felt almost like IK Plus or something where you're trying to, you know, get between, um, you know, prioritise enemies and get your spacing right and all that sort of thing. But yeah, on a technical level, at least on um, Backbone's um, emulated version on the PS3, it's the only version I can really talk about, oh, and their version on the PSP as well, um, the slowdown and the and the sprite flicker is, is pretty immense. I have to say from from a technical standpoint of view, well, a visual as well
3: point of view, um, it does feel quite like a, l- a late game um in the Mega Drive's history, purely because it, it's stuff like um, kicking enemies and they they rip through pages. I, I see that now, and I, I still really like that um, visual style. Mm. I think, you know, it, it sells... It To me, it actually doesn't happen enough within the game. Um, you know, it, mm. What can happen is, obviously, that you can kick a kick a guy enough times that you send him flying, and he'll hit a wall, and then instead of just bouncing off the wall that they do 90% of the time, he'll tear through into the next scene. Um and you can use it to your, your advantage, or use it as he as a uh, you know quite often as a, a means to move to the, to the next pane. Also, the I love the bit where I can't remember how it works on the 360, Maybe it's hold down the A button, but it's you can start to rip away the background. Um, so he he yeah. tears off a pane um, of the background. It's like a little bit of the comic book, and then folds it up as a paper aeroplane. It, it, it's part of your special move, and he, it, it's a secret move. Yeah, really, it actually isn't takes. It? Takes down a, a, a chunk of your health, which is which can and it actually takes ages to do. Yeah, it takes ages to do. Takes down, it, but it is seemingly a one-hit kill on on most enemies. And funny yeah. in a in a funny scenario, you can throw the paper. Um, if it misses an enemy or it ducks, then the paper airplane comes back to you, and you can be hit by the paper airplane, which knocks you over. And all that's but one hit kills you as well. So there's a, a kind of fun risk reward. But from a technical standpoint of view, I I really like the the fact that you you know it's not I wouldn't say deformity of the pains, but there is an element there where it's not just a, a strict environment. Um, and that, and that goes the same as well. You have a pet rat and the pet rat you can let loose and each pain, you know, sometimes there's nothing in there, but occasionally he'll wander around and he'll start sniffing the side of a a panel and start digging at it. And that will deform away and he'll reveal an item. So so from that, even that now, I, I really like that. I like the deformity of, of playing in those areas. And it, and it feels quite a, a clever and unique touch.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I think some of it is uh pretty much unique in, in to my knowledge anyway. Um but I think, again, like you said, Tony, I think some of that's undersold. Now, I realise there are probably, you know, memory restrictions and stuff like that. But kind of on the first level, you're thinking, wow, what are they going to do with this next? I've already kicked someone through into the next panel and I've dropped down between panels. And and then kind of you've kind of seen most of those tricks very, very early. Even the the drawing in of of enemies, it it happens. I mean, I'm going to
3: say it happens half a dozen times. It doesn't happen enough for my liking. I think it's a really cool um, element towards it, and even um, you know, talking about higher concepts of what this game can achieve, I think they they really miss a trick of well, maybe it is a limitation of the platform, but you know, maybe he could color something in. I, I feel like more games have done this now, where you know you can color something in the environment, and then then use that as a platform, etc. That you've actually helped. You know, I'm thinking like Max and Curse of the Brotherhood, etc. Um, and I'm mm. sure that was probably a limited, yeah, you know, limitation of the platform. Having played this and, and knowing how. How um, short it is, and maybe how much memory it took on the cartridge. But um, but the stuff that is in there, I don't think it, it's used enough. I love the hand, I love the drawing in of the characters, and maybe it, it would have got old if it was used more than six times. But it felt like that stuff there was a, a yeah. bigger selling point that they didn't that they didn't actually use to their advantage.
1: I bet in the years since, the people that made the game have come up with so many uh, ideas to themselves and thought, oh yeah, we should have put that in. Oh yeah, yeah and but-
0: actually. I- Eight megabits is a small cart by nineteen ninety five standards. You know, yeah. As in, by that by that point, I remember the Super Street Fighter Two one was twenty four megabits. I think. Yeah. Um. Things like Jungle Strike was sixteen. So yeah, that to to only have eight to do such a visually intensive mm. game. No wonder it was short, and no wonder things repeat in it.
1: It's um, got quite a lot of speech for such a small cartridge as well, which must have taken does. up. a... Kind of a lion, not a lion's share, but a larger chunk than you'd imagine. They would devote to speech. Absolutely. I really like yeah, it. Yeah, we,
0: well. it's all blurry, but we have, I like it. Well, it's it's classic. Mm. I mean, yeah. All right, let's talk about the sound um, in in total. Um, there is there is quite a lot of crunchy classic Mega Drive crackly speech, um, but it's not the worst uh, as as Mega Drive sound goes. Um, you know, as you as you uh, did at the top of the show, there's you know even when the title screen appears, Sega unrolls in a um, you know in a rather flashy style, and we get this sample at the start, but it's audible. It's actually audible. It doesn't mm. just sound like like a lot of uh, a lot of uh, speech did on the Mega Drive, um, and uh, yeah, and then there's this soundtrack, which is a, a a it's a fascinating topic unto itself. Now, the thing for me is like. I've never really liked that midi guitar (laughs) sound. (laughs) Like it's really nostalgic. um, And I like it in the sense that it makes me think of coin-ops like 720 degrees at the arcades, that very twangy, tinny um, sort of attempt at guitar that you could do on, on eight and 16 bit hardware, mainly 16 bit. But actually as a, as a set of music, like, it's for me it's completely unmemorable but um it's uh it's an interesting piece so this is by Howard Drossin um and the cd there's a well there's a full cd version of the soundtrack right um and i presume that's the actual music is that the music that you get if you play the game on
1: uh there's both there is um okay i believe there's a cd of the soundtrack as it sounds on the mega drive yeah then yeah then there's the full like a full band version of the tracks from the game with like howard drossin singing (laughs) lyrics over the top it's bizarre yeah
0: he plays the guitar um they brought in another guy called philip stevenson to do solos on a couple of the tracks that probably i guess howard drossin's guitar skills weren't quite up to the solos up, up to the the whaley bits um Amusingly, uh, bass guitar was performed by uh, somebody known only as Weird Guy, uh, albeit spelt incorrectly on the original um, credits. Uh, we were speculating before we started recording that that could have been somebody famous like uh, Mark Cerny or somebody famous like Kim Gordon out of Sonic Youth or, or possibly... Or just um, a weird guy. Or, possi- or possibly just a weird guy or possibly a bassist from one of the uh, popular grunge bands of the four years before this game came out.
4: I always like to imagine it was someone taking notes of what to write down in the credits, and the guy's yep. going, oh, that guy, the bass guitar, you know, weird guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And they haven't actually moved on from that conversation. The conversation has taken a turn, and the person has just gone, well, that must be their name. They've written it in because they
0: didn't know what they were writing about. It's, that's um, the sort of story that's, <laughs> that's likely enough to be true, yeah. Uh, Dave, somebody called David Hart plays the drums. Not, not a famous drummer, as far as I'm aware. Um, but yes, this was... Uh, this was all recorded and mixed at Sega Technical Institute in Redwood City, California. And uh yeah, that's out there. So yeah. It was supposed
1: you... to come with the American release. I think it came with the um Sega Europe release, and it was supposed to Come on a CD with the American release, but Sega decided just before that they were going to change it for a CD sort of. Do you remember CD Well, you still get them, I suppose. CD samplers of yeah. a certain record label
2: yeah.
1: where you'd get like a bunch of tracks by, yeah, one alternative label's yeah. artists. Uh, and that's what came with it instead, which apparently annoyed Howard Drossin. Poor little Howard. Yeah, I Um, suppose
0: this was just a few months after the famous um, Donkey Kong Country uh, indie tracks or whatever it was called, (laughs) CD, uh, where they had, bizarrely, they had tracks from Boo Radley's and Radiohead and things in the Donkey Kong Country box for no apparent reason. And uh, at
1: the same time, Sega kind of went full circle that they released the Sega Saturn sampler, which was a CD of... Songs from early Saturn games.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, and um, Sega no longer in the console market. Yeah. <laughs> Who says they didn't know how to do business? <laughs> Very strange times. Um, but the rest of you, uh, do you like the sound? Do you, do you enjoy the soundtrack? <laughs> Silence. Um,
1: no, I, not, I, I not really, really do. I really um, do. Um, I've heard the other tracks that came out of Sega of America in the years preceding. So, um, yeah it's it's a much better um or quality of sound i know it's got that sort of midi yeah feel but compared to the sort of farts and mm. squirks that are coming out of them
4: bassy yeah a,
0: yeah. yeah it's great bass sound.
1: title i think that's um, um fm uh, traditionally does have quite a sort of punchy yeah, yeah. bass mm.
0: yeah i mean certainly yuzo koshiro got a lot out of uh, the bottom end and, and a few people did but um it's, yeah, It's for me, it's all a bit, um, and, you know, I do like some some uh, sort of, you know, alternate rock or grunge bands of the era, but I found that the music was a little bit, it was just a bit tuneless and generic.
4: Yeah, it's, you know, anyone who's listened to our sister podcast, Sound of Play, knows that when I go on there, I tend to pick more retro songs from games. So I'm a, I'm a real big fan of, of games from, like, the 80s through to the mid-90s, uh, and I went back and listened to this before doing the podcast, uh, albeit with gameplay playing over the top. And it was just for a, for a game that has its main character, who is a rock musician, you expect that there's a reason they chose that. And that was to have a killer soundtrack. Well, or I something. think it fits. I mean, uh, it, it, yeah. but it's just all very vanilla rock. It's just so middle of the road boring as a, as a game soundtrack. It's 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 not offensively bad. Don't get me wrong, but it's certainly not good. It's just it's there. Um, and the only thing that I came away with was, aside from it being just okay, was that it was surprisingly bassy. And when when you struggle to actually speak anything about something, that's usually a damning indictment of it. And for me, it just does such so little to the game. Um, whereas the visuals completely stand out and are memorable. Uh, years later, I mean, let's like say it, it took me 15 years to get round to play, uh, 14 years to get around to playing the game, and. Tony mentioned you, you. You remember that cover, or you remember the first time you see him walking through. I, I was entitled, excited to see that, but an hour after playing the game, I couldn't remember. A it's single funny. Dream. I haven't
3: I haven't played the game quite a few times now over the, the last couple of months. Um, I I know I I can almost remember the first track quite a bit. I th- I think then it kind of just disappears off into the ether towards the back end of it, almost like, you know, as most yeah. games seem to do. But uh, none of it is particularly memorable. But I also think that, you know, there's a chance that you are going to be playing those levels quite a few times. And having done so, um, they're, they're all just at that kind of wrong tone that they kind of get under your skin because you're going to hear them over and over again. Like, they they're, they're, they're may be a bit too overdone with the instruments. Um, for a game that wants you to replay it multiple times. Like it's just, there's just a bit too much to them. Um, and I think, with, you know, a, modern, a, a more modern game, if they were to, to get you to, you know, something like Super Meat Boy, you know, they're a bit more kind of considerate, knowing that you're going to be you know, experiencing something over and over again. Um, well, again, memory limitations, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, quite That's possibly. Quite but uh, <laughs> I don't particularly think I hated it. I just
0: think it was, yeah, it kind of blended into the background, mm. which... Well, Dan, I'm, yeah. I'm interested. Then the three of us are a bit down on it. What, what is it you like? about
1: Oh, for me, there's like flecks of pavement and um, no way. That, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, love it. I genuinely I to listen to back. this soundtrack quite a lot. Um, I like not, not all of it, but they're all songs. Do you know what I mean? They've got verses and choruses and mm, bridges and all sorts, clearly. which you can hear if you yeah. The full band presentation obviously lends itself to that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, even within the game itself, yeah, I think there's like lots of little nods to. The indie rock that I did like, um, I, I think grunge was a bit passé, as you've said by that point. But, yeah, to me, there's like flecks of where the, the sort of alt country was going at that point. And, yeah, I can actually listen to it as a soundtrack and do. Because I
0: think, you know, you and I share some tastes. We've sort of, you know, come across yeah. things on Facebook and stuff that, that you and I both like. But I just didn't hear any of that. All I heard was generic <laughs> dirge. Um. um, Maybe that. Maybe that's again. Maybe emulation of
1: the uh, Mega Drive sound chip might be something to do with that. Because, um, yeah, it's traditionally quite bad sound on some of those collections, isn't it? So maybe that enhances the sort of muddiness of it. I know there is a muddy quality because it's a grungy soundtrack. but Um, sometime I'll send you, yeah, like the the closest emulated version of the sound chip I can find and see if you can sort of find something in it. Because I genuinely listen to this as. As a pleasurable thing to listen to. I've listened to the soundtrack more than I've played the game in the past 10 years by a long shot. Um, yeah, it's, the soundtrack is kind of where it's at for me with this. Interesting. <laughs> I must sound like such a loon. Not at all, not at all. No, not at all. Um,
0: That's what it's all about.
1: Yeah, I think um, Drossin wanted to sort of compose an album of sorts. I think, I'm not quite sure where he drew the parallel between like comics and then doing an album. But it, to me, it feels like a definite yeah. set of songs.
0: I think it's because it, it, like, as I say, it really does. I think it fits the vibe and the aesthetic and the characters for me. Um, so although I've sadly not managed to pick out all those intricacies of the music that you have, <clears throat> it does um, it does give off the right atmosphere. It, it's I funny think, you talk about
3: the um, aesthetic and the vibe and the characters. It, what's the guy's second name? So he's Sketch... Turner. Turner. Uh, um, the, the the little story there is in the game. They they talk about him being a a comic book artist that you know is has no money etc. But it, he's kind of like this. His his visual presentation is really weird. So he's a really buff. He's almost like a M- MMA fighter as you would see now. He's got a ridiculous kind of blonde haircut stroke ponytail thing. Ponytail. Um, yeah, how many yeah. comic book artists? I mean, I, I don't want to stereotype everybody, but you know, certainly they're all different. Back then, yeah, you know, how many comic book <laughs> artists? You know, particularly look like you know the big buff blonde kind of Streets yeah. of Rage guy, whilst being a comic book artist down on his luck and, and has no money, which they they mention oh, in the he game. Looks like such it's a kind dish. of it's, but it's kind of that nineties slightly he's
4: got douchey the, um, style isn't it's it a, it's, it's, it's those mm-hmm. stupid little glasses that he's yeah, got on the brow of his nose oh, he's a mix of rock and roll
3: cartoonist mma fighter yeah, It's it's a really it's a weird sort of a style for
4: him yeah, he's know. got he's got that that dress style of look that i expect him to be in one of those 90s mm. late 80s 90s art galleries where they're like look down at people that you would see in like a hollywood movie um it, it's that sort of Horrible style. Like if you actually see the the face of the character as he was designed, he actually looks quite villainous. Mm. It's really weird. Um, and artistically, that is the one thing that sticks out for me with the game is how he looks as a character. I find it absolutely <laughs> awful.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan myself, but um, yeah, it's like um, I don't know he. As with, those with the
1: rest of it, it's, it all seems to be a couple of years too late. I know it did spend quite a long time in development. I think yeah. it's maybe the, the
0: shows the
1: yeah. point of the nineties that they were at had slipped past by the time the game released. But with the music and the look, like you say, we kind of all realised that that was a sort of early nineties douchey look. But by, even even <laughs> the comic, I mean, this, this I is
3: essentially a comic that he has created. So he, he's you're playing through his own creation. There's no real hints that he understands, you know, an enemy that's coming up because I mean, he, essentially, it's from his mind. Maybe yeah.
0: he just says who he says what their names yeah, are. Yeah, but maybe that's um, a, a step too far. Speech maybe problems. it's
3: just asking too much on this. But you know, if you putting it into you know uh, a, a time and place, it, it none of it really kind of works. And even the, the characters that he's he's drawn, some are green goblins, and I suppose there's different pains that tell a different story, and they they suit the place they're in. But none of it feels contextually like it. It makes sense as a comic book. It doesn't really flow. Characters don't really flow one into the other, bosses, and they don't really flow within the environments they're in. It's, it's, just, I suppose it's a small thing to complain about, but it, you know, playing it through a few times now, it's like what? It's just, if well, this it's, was it's a comic a book, it, it's of, not a comic book that I don't particularly. No wonder he was down as luck. It's not yeah. a comic book that I don't think anyone particularly would want to
0: to read for well, it, yeah. well, it might have been cool it, in the nineties when you know when the turtles and were big. I mean, it's a post apocalyptic. um you know, mutants and monsters comic, basically. It's like, I mean, you know, this was before zombies were completely uh, de rigueur and ubiquitous. So instead, you know, you, it, you're shown very early on that it's post-apocalyptic Earth because it's got a Statue mm, of Liberty head, which true. is the, you know, the <laughs> the, the ultimate so, sign. And, and then it's got a load of monsters in presumably... Um, I don't know, it, uh, it doesn't really explain whether the planet was invaded or nuked by aliens or whether this is the mutated remnants of humanity or whatever. But again, in a 1995 Mega Drive brawler, I don't think such depth was So in, in terms of
4: story, what is the purpose of a nuke at the end to destroy <laughs> a world that's already been nuked?
0: Well, indeed, yes. Yeah, but he stops the nuke, doesn't he?
1: Um, yeah, well, he kind idea. of has
4: to because otherwise he's going to die. But, yeah. it's, but had it's, he
1: written that into it before he got sucked into the comic?
4: Uh, well, like I mean, how much I mean, is I the creation the of
0: him? The idea is that the bad guy, the, the, he switched places with the bad guy Mortis, who is yeah. now writing the comic to his own ends, isn't he? And he's, yeah, given... he's
4: manipulating the work that's already been done, I believe. So yeah. he can, he, can only, he doesn't create his own enemies, but I believe he creates the enemies that sketch as himself. Yeah, because he knows he knows yeah. what
0: they're called, but they've all been kind of twisted against him and, and whatever, and they're all but working this, towards this, this whatever this nefarious goal is.
1: That means the singular unique and interesting thing about it would have been him getting sucked into but like yeah. that's <laughs> Um, yeah, like Tony says, it would have been a very dry comic without the actual story of comics. So happening, yeah,
4: it, it is just pictures, essentially, mm. it is a gallery of pictures because there is no story in the background of the story that is being created over the top. Well, uh, maybe it was an early so, draft,
3: but um, and also like the the fact that it tries I'm to really be thinking about it too, um, hard. edgy with essentially swearing that is obviously just texted over and you know you can't see it, but it's like, oh my god, yeah, Jesus the, Christ, whatever that word. yeah,
0: it's it's. Like, okay, yeah, it's edgy. I do like the, um, I do like the, the, yeah, I mean, it's obviously meant for a kind of the same audience that the yeah. game was for, mm-hmm. which is a kind of pre teen, probably mostly male audience. Um, this that is when was everything the, was rad, wasn't it? Everything absolutely. was rad in the yeah. 90s, yeah. yeah, yeah. And this was this was mid 90s Mega Drive, um, you know, Nintendo the, the, uh, Nickelodeon generation. The, the demographic sort of would have been, yeah, like 12 year old boys by and large. I was too old for it, of course. Um, <laughs> One thing I did want to mention before we moved on was the fact that there was also a Game Boy Advance version. Um,
1: some years claustrophobia later, claustrophobia would have yeah. been so <laughs> intense with that, right? Seven years
0: later came out, 2002 converted by a team called Virtue Craft, who I don't know anything about, I'll be honest. Um, but weirdly, although Howard Drossin returned um, and did the music, it was all different music.
1: But it's not necessarily different music. It's the same tunes, but um, more sort of Uh, MIDI sounding. But they're in the wrong places in Uh, the game, which annoys a lot of fans. Like You get the wrong levels, tracks playing in the wrong places.
4: I I think the audio director will be the judge of that, Dan. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The the fans are wrong. He's right. I've watched
3: some
0: YouTube sound. Um, It it doesn't seem that bad. No, um, apparently it played slower and stickier. Um, and obviously, it's slightly lower res, but they did get to improve the shadows mm. because the GBA had transparencies, which, uh, which the other. the colours certainly uh, popped out, certainly through watching through YouTube. Yeah, videos. it's got, I mean, the GBA had a bigger palette than the mm. Mega Drive, so. Okay. But yeah, it's, it exists, it's there. <laughs> um, let's talk about the brawling, um, because it's what you start off doing. It's probably what you do the most of, I'd say. Um, so, really, sketches, um, combat is controlled with two buttons. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about in this, as well as uh, as well as your basic punches, kicks, uppercuts, and all that, you also have the choice from the options before you start of a of a unique move. Now, I didn't realize that. Uh, so the default one I think is block, um, which well, maybe it's not the default one, but there is a block, which means that you Did have to was- press. Circle in the ori-
4: in the original version there was two different methods because you could play it with a 6 button mega mm-hmm. drive pad or yeah, a 3 yeah. button mega drive yeah. pad so they implemented the auto block didn't they they, they put the 3 yes. button auto block in there
0: yeah, yeah. so but you pl- when you're playing the emulated version you're you're effectively playing the 6 button one because you can use the top 3 what would have been x y and z to use your oh. items um but the block the block situation is weird because like it doesn't really offer you any kind of information as to what's going to be a better special move so you can have like shoulder charge or a or a a certain type of kick or block as your extra as your extra control um i've dabbled around with a couple of them but i don't know if there are um sort of any that are considered like miles better and miles more useful than the um than than another if you see what i mean i I don't know if any of you have, have dabbled with these
4: the only thing I remember using over and over is a jumping kick. Yeah. <laughs> um, as uh, I guess yeah, diagonal. A, a lot of, of 2D brawlers were quite regular. That was quite commonly mm. the case um, was a, was the mighty jumping kick, especially True. considering that gave him an extra bit of range as well. It was quite a rangy weapon. So in, ter- in terms of specials, just the kick, um, I never really felt any need to block during the game uh, there are a few with, bits. As, a, as a special. No, there are a few
0: bits where you're being attacked up on high yeah. by uh, things. Where because if you get there's a few instant death situations there yeah. in the game, and one of them is getting knocked off of a rope above a bottomless. Pit, I I hear
3: block. If you if you if you're going to play this legit, essentially, then block becomes quite yeah. useful because it 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 is yes. actually a, a brawler. And I'm not going to say it's a deep brawler, but there is brawler elements in there. And I think if you want to play it in the yeah. purist way having the ability to block rather than just put off a special move. I remember special moves, do they not lower your energy bar anyway?
0: No, I don't think they okay. do.
3: Well, I certainly I ended up...
0: I'm not sure. Everything lowers your energy bar pretty much, though. <laughs> I'm not hitting
3: enemies. <laughs> yeah, punch a randomly. door.
0: It,
3: it's, yeah. Once again, game, gameplay elements are, are, are kind of funny in, in a game like this. and it's. I, I suppose we can get on to it now, but we, we're talking about combat. But... Um yeah you know, I I ended up using block but I, more so I ended up using the uh the save feature as as a, a crutch rather than any of the special moves Same here. or uh, save states which Absolutely. obviously isn't maybe the way that I should have gone on to play this game but um through uh but the, the way I actually set up and played this game it's the first time I 100% used save states um the second time um my recent play for it it was something I wanted to do because I felt like I I completed Comic Zone, but I didn't really complete Comic, comic Zone via the save state system because it was, well, I'll you know, just move back a, a couple of screens or whatever. No big deal. Um, and I wanted to, you know, I found that quite hard and frustrating anyway, so I, I wanted to play this game to see how far I could get without mm. you know using essentially a, a massive crutch. And, um, you know, the answer is uh, it's the second stage. Um, so I completed the first stage and got through to the second Um. And mm. yeah, I, I, certainly in that in that scenario, I, I use block because um, I kind of used. A, I've watched a few tips of how to actually play comics, Zone and yeah, you know, people were saying blocks are quite a vital one. So uh, I would go with that. Mm.
0: I feel like yeah, I did. I completely abuse save mm-hmm. states, and that's how I completed it. And I haven't completed <sighs> it the honest way. I'll be completely honest. Um, but I, I don't feel like. Um, it would be that now I've done it I don't feel like it would be that big an ask to actually go back through the game and do it honestly Um, which bit did you get because yes there are lots of insta-deaths in this game like most of your lives will be lost as well as your energy barn being chipped down by enemies and projectiles and the fact that some things hurt you when you punch them Um, (laughs) uh, which are worth saving your items for grenades and dynamite and things like that but those can hurt you as well um was there a bit which just was well, it was it just you ran out of patience no, or? so so to
3: describe how playing this game is uh, that there, there's quite a few instant failure states and, and that's understandable this game is half an hour long if you had to play from start to finish and, and not do a speed run and obviously even back then they were conscious of people spending that amount of money and and only having half an hour of gameplay so it and rental is still a yeah, big thing so at this it, point it falls well. very much in the you know, the arcade cabinet kind of you know the player things, you know, they it's almost put more quarters in and, and get a little bit further, get better at the game. And it's very much is one of those games. So I think you know, you can have two minds of that. You can either find that a, a really annoying thing and a, a gameplay mechanic, or you can understand, you know, what why the developers went down that route and kind of just live with it. Um luckily with Save States, you can just bypass any of those decisions and, and just play it how you want to play it. But um, even in save state I, I maybe i become less cautious with save states because i know i've got that crutch to come back to so i'd be a, a lot more aggressive with my fighting style um there's a there's a limited move set and some seem to be more you can abuse uh moves that are more effective than others i think Carl like you saying the that enemies, kind of a kick thing uh, the
0: different types of enemies do have different uh yeah. things that they'll learn and block and whatever it's not completely um It's not completely without strategy. So
3: so I I suppose the big deal of this game is that once you've depleted the entirety of your health bar, you just go back to the the title screen of the game. Um, It's it's quite jarring. Certainly with a, a modern day gaming, it's quite jarring to have none of your progress particularly saved. And to to retry everything again. Um, But it it does force you to understand and learn enemies. A lot of people obviously discuss with Dark Souls, etc. It's about learning the techniques of each enemy. And this is more about knowing there's, there's multiple routes on screen on the panes that you can go. So essentially you could go down or you could go right. Some will leave you almost into an instant death, which can be annoying. Others will leave you into areas with items. So it about, becomes about, you know, managing bombs and managing pills. And a lot of that stuff is just understanding what, what screen um, will present you with next. And, yeah you know, I think that's quite a, a modern day. Like, I, I think games of quite a few, you know, roguelikes, essentially, have, have done that now. So it's not maybe as shocking as, as most people would think it is, you know, listening to that. But I mm. think, you know, patience is, is the main thing why I essentially I, I completed the game. I knew what was coming up. And I knew some bits were harder than others, but I was kind of proud that I'd managed to get through the whole first section, which is a, you know, remember <laughs> going through it the first time. i would probably done 15 different saves through there, just, you know, falling back on that. So to essentially yeah, get yeah. through the first section, halfway through the mm. second section, I actually died on there's this wasp type creature that you kill above a gap. Mm. And I got, I killed him and then got my jump wrong and fell down the whole of the gap. Um, yeah. I know yeah, exactly what you mean. Back, and yeah. that was like, pad throwing in due because it wasn't even an enemy like, i'd failed myself in, with my jumping technique which is you know
0: it's it's a bit loose yeah but that comes back to what i was saying earlier it's like well it, it's not that it's it's unresponsive it's just that it, the mm. there aren't there aren't en- there isn't enough visual information to tell you when you're yeah. at the edge of the platform um, or not basically I, am i at my extent or or can I take another uh, step? You don't know. And if you take that step, you're dead.
3: And I, and I guess maybe this this comes down to more, you know, we're playing this as you know, a, a later date, but I think maybe if I had this and, you know, I'd spent £60 or £50 on a on cartridge, um, I'd have a lot more tolerance to, you know, to get my money's worth out of this. And, and without that crutch of, well, I can just... I'd be more angry. Well, <laughs> maybe, but it, yeah. <laughs> I think you'd probably want your money's worth so you just learn the things. It's, it's too easy, maybe. Not mm. to do that now, but...
0: Uh, as somebody who was around then and paying forty quid plus for Mega Drive cartridges, I used to get more annoyed at the ones which were really hard. Not, I was, it wasn't more or not not hard, but unfair. You know, the ones that were, the ones that frustrated me, like uh, Chakan the Forever Man, or or I didn't have this, as I say. So I'm, I'm thinking of other games, but actually, it was more annoying. You know, I had the money, um, but I was, as an adult, I was already starting to feel that. I haven't really got yeah. the time but to muck th- this, around with this stuff. This
3: game goes it it goes to extremes to kind of defeat the player. So it's not just enemies who can kill you, which is it seems fair enough, right? Um it's the fact that yeah, and it makes contextual sense, I guess. If you bash a door, because you have to bash doors down <laughs> to get into the next pane, yeah. <laughs> then because you're hitting it with your fist, it's doing chip yeah. damage to your to your health. Now you can take down a big dragon type S boss Halfway through the game, and you know, smash his scaly body in, body in, and not take any damage if you're good enough. But you kick a crate, yeah. oh, half your energy bar's gone, and it's it's like well, thank that's that doesn't seem like not on fine. balance particularly fair. And I think it's about
0: item management, but it now, is isn't it? because I think I think the idea is there's always you should always be able to get a grenade or dynamite before you have to blow up a door or whatever. So again, but why have it It's, about re- it's well, yeah. it's a, I've, I found myself. um quite a few
3: times certainly my safe state playthrough playing through the game with a absolute sliver of health get into a door realizing I had nothing to break down the door and by hitting the door I'd kill myself and so I would have to go back a couple of safe states in the level um, yeah and you know having to do all class classes annoying sections to get to there again it's it's just an odd odd way to, to um, reward the player through, um, you know, if you, even if you're doing well by killing enemies, they're still going to take some health away from you to make it maybe feel a little bit more tough. I mean, I don't know if that was just me or if you guys felt the, felt the same.
1: Well, those doors are made out of paper. Like, what <laughs> kind of a-hole comic book artist makes a world where punching paper, like, destroys your fist? Yeah,
0: it's a fair argument. But,
1: uh... and then he got, maybe it's the karma that he deserves for, like, writing the physics... Rules into his comic book world
4: well yeah. yeah I mean he must get some severe paper cuts when he creates the paper airplanes and also well loses half his health
1: <laughs> yeah it must be
0: yeah he um I don't know he doesn't yeah like you said earlier he doesn't seem to know much about the world in which he exists which is interesting but so but I think I feel like each each stage is a sort of although there are you know uh, incidental puzzles in different rooms with switches and items that you drop and and things like that um I feel like each kind of section of the comic is a puzzle in itself in that there will always be just enough items, although there are some random ones and some secret ones, but you can, with knowledge, prepare to get through. And again, like, you you know, you're talking about modern roguelikes or Souls games. And actually, it's not a million miles away from the same philosophy in that, you know, if you go to some areas in a roguelike without, the weapon that you need you will mm. dust you will die it's a bit and like they're that. randomly generating um, you are set with fit screens here, so you know what what's coming ahead mm. of you yeah uh, but obviously i'm not I'm not defending the fact that I you know I completely agree I found it incredibly annoying that it's like you know I got to that first boss you mentioned um that sort of uh well one I'm thinking of is the one that hangs yeah. down and yeah. the sort of dragon dragony thing. Um, and it is actually entirely possible to, you in know, a, in, a, as a good brawler should let you, it's possible to time all your punches so that the <laughs> the animation, yeah, never, it never breaks, yeah. gets out of its cycle so you can just kill it. But I didn't know that at first, so I chucked a grenade at it thinking, <laughs> you know, that would be a good idea. Um, then, of course, you know, you get on to the next bit or whatever. Maybe this isn't the exact bit, but the point remains. Um, and then you've got hardly any health left and you need to kick open a door. <laughs> So you can't actually die, but you can get yourself right down to the to the bare minimum. And yeah, that isn't that isn't fun at all. And and I don't think it would it would pass play testing. Now people would be like, "Are you sure you've meant to have left this bit in where when I punch an inanimate object, it it takes away loads of my energy bar?"
1: So the Japanese release uh, actually toned down the amount of damage you take from uh, other enemies. Uh, when you hit them and from the environmental objects and what have yeah, you. Yeah.
0: And more checkpoints, uh, you were saying?
1: Uh, yeah. More checkpoints within the levels. And then as Tony says, when you go back to the title screen and then you face going all the way from the start in the Western release in Japan, it actually starts you from where you left off. Yeah. the stage. And then there are checkpoints. So you only have to go right. say a, a panel or two back every time, it's which worth is saying. interesting. That, um, yeah. Sorry. No, it's you worth go. saying. Oh no. It, just um yeah the japanese people in their office apparently really enjoyed the game but obviously they must have seen problems with the <laughs> difficulty and uh, very, sorted that out for the for their Yeah race. and it
0: totally feels like western game design of the 90s as well it doesn't feel like something that would have got out of uh of Sega of Japan you know one of the AM studios or whatever um <clears> without without being tweaked but yeah it's interesting that actually the game does uh, you can't do this on the emulated versions um because it doesn't let you into the actual in-game menus but on the original cart or uh, other versions you can go into the music player the jukebox menu and activate uh stage select and unlimited health in there <laughs> so that makes so even though save states are una- unavailable there are ways of cheating your way through the game uh, well, no, I mean, just on, I know, on cart cheats like there used to be. But yes, that is another option. <laughs> game Genie or Action Replay, probably as well. Um, but what I did want to say about the brawling overall, as much as this game, yeah, it, it is like frustrating. I found it frustrating, um, especially there was a bit where um, I couldn't work out. It's like there are various levers mm. and switches on different screens. And there was one where. I was standing next to it and when I went to press it, Sketch just fell off the platform backwards instead of pressing it and died. And that was just purely because I'd either, you know, pressed the button in slightly the wrong place or uh, it wasn't the right time for me to do it or, you know, one of those sorts of things and just just utterly maddening. But for all that, the thing I enjoyed most about this game all the way through was the feeling of punching enemies. Mm -hmm the crunchiness the sound effects uh, along with the on-screen visual response they sometimes go flying they get slammed into the back of the frame and the whole screen shakes good sound effects you know really crisp and crunchy very mega drive and actually the feel of uppercutting or flying kicking enemies um just about kept me having fun even when i was even when i was generally really quite annoyed with the game
1: there's a touch of a one-on-one fighting game feel to the Especially, as I suppose, with the limitations of how many characters are on screen, usually at any given time. It might be for gameplay as well, but it does mm. seem like often you are uh, sort of mano a mano with someone else. And it's a little bit more strategy to the brawling than your Streets of Rage Yeah,
3: type I, I games, didn't want to you know, have a go at Streets of Rage because I think it's a fantastic series, but they did seem a bit more... Just a bit more like it was a a, a fighter fighter, more like a, a 2D kind of you know streets yeah, street fighter fighter. Not not anywhere near as deep as that, but it felt like there was you know maybe it was because it was one on one. There was a bit more to it, you know uppercuts. There was the as Carl said the the scissor kick technique, and there was way to fudge enemies. But there was very much a you had to take certain enemies down a certain way you couldn't just go around button mashing it would be the you know almost instant failure of you were to do that you you had to break down their guards there was different techniques to break down different enemies guards it's actually relatively deep for for what it is you know on the, on the surface
0: yeah and i think it had to be because i'm not sure you know like there are there are puzzles um and they're okay but they're yeah i mean they're, 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 rudimentary. they're, they're um some, yeah, some exactly. are quite good yeah, it, although it's frustrating because i
3: died on it um the first time i did it. i quite like the puzzle where you have to go essentially down three or four panes downwards because the the page is on fire and you're oh, you're yeah, pushing down yeah. and essentially you keep going into the rooms you're not entirely sure what, what's in these rooms and it's always going to be a a trap door, but maybe you'd have to move a pot or maybe you'd have to break something in the environment to reveal that there's a trapdoor underneath that and there's but a again, time limit um, to get, I, I died first time. It was frustrating, well, but the it. second time I was like, yeah, that was like, at least there's an, an element more, more so in your environment, environmental element that might actually get me.
0: Rather yeah. than I mean, I really like the, you know, the page being on fire mm-hmm. idea, but again, the execution is so much of its time and not even necessarily of the best of its time, you know, because there were plenty of games that weren't that frustrating about around in the mid nineties. But the fact that it's like, you can't quite tell where it has to get to mm-hmm. to kill you. For instance, you know, there's no sort of, you know, it's like at some point the burning page will touch something of sketch and you will die. The fact that there are arbitrary puzzles is like basically as a red herring pot. So it shows you there's a pot to kick, kick out the way at one stage or blow up. And so the next time you see one of those, you think, okay, it's another one. And actually the thing that you have to get rid of is a completely invisible platform. Mm. It's like an invisible trapdoor that's given there's no Quite real and often you indication have to use your there. pet rat
3: as well to to solve puzzles. And yeah. it's not always clear that there there could be a gap in the environment for the pet rat to go through. So you find yourself wandering backwards and forwards within a you know a very confined pain thinking
0: Where where <laughs> where am I meant yeah. to be going? Well, I like roadkill, but like, I think he's one of the more charming mm-hmm. additions, one of one of the more interesting elements of the game. But it's the fact that you can enter certain rooms, like without him, you've lost him, you've left him behind, and he's not there. And I not use him th- up. I think he's yeah, but he can run off. He can like, he, and he, I think he can actually can he get he can get taken out as well, can't he? Like, because yep. because if you use him as um, combat bait, he rather cutely electrifies the enemies for you, which can be really useful. Um, and on, on that screen I mentioned earlier, with the three enemies back to back, um, Alyssa pops up as a little talking head in the corner of the screen, saying, "Your pet rat would be helpful here." <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it would it, yeah, you How you get attached to these things? Because I was like, I don't want to lose him. I, I can't put him into combat; might like, get
3: yeah. killed. I'll just use him to to find the old potion. I'll take the hits and find a potion with Rokil rather than actually use him in combat.
0: Yeah, some neat ideas, but again, like, yeah, I think it it all really. So much of the frustration for me comes down to the the health management issue. You know the, the the fact that if you don't find pills, or if you if you end up in a place without the right equipment, you end up taking off tons I, of your energy bar. And if it hadn't been for the save state abuse abuse possibility, I, yeah, I probably wouldn't have finished the game. Either. I I'm never quite sure where, when I'm watching
3: not necessarily speed runs, but other people playing these games. I watched a guy play the game from start to finish in thirty minutes. And sure, he could have maybe done some trickery where he, he maybe died and, and didn't end it, but it seemed like a, a seemingly clean run through. Like he bear No, they they're usually yeah, honest if it, they say it, they're not tool assisted. His, I mean, I think his health was just going down where he was doing chip damage on the scenery like anybody else, but it stayed pretty much max, and it made me think like, okay, well maybe I'm the inadequate part in in this game. Like clearly, this can be played. Clearly, you can learn every move for every character in these scenarios and it and it looked yeah. rather enjoyable dare i say um the way that he was playing it but i have to say my my experience was a lot more you know broken and frustrated and um yeah. you know cheesing in that i remember using that exact um, move where i got that that dragon into the an infinite loop of just you know doing a punch as he came up
0: that's what those games are about i mean that's that's actually that is the gameplay that's that's not cheesing it that's that's how those games are meant to be played i mean that's yeah every Every uh, kind of significant enemy in Streets of Rage, uh, too. It's about learning how not to get hit and how to hit them without them being able to hit you. I mean, that is that is the game. Uh, so so to do it in Comic Zone is is completely legitimate, and I'm sure I'm sure Sega Technical Institute were um, informed uh, and impressed by you, you you know, never... the works that they're. Japanese studios have done you, before. You them. never know when
3: people are playing, you know, developers are playing their own games before they realise actually how hard they've created something. Maybe it wasn't play-tested. Maybe, well, maybe for yeah. them they were just doing exactly what this guy was doing. you know, just you're playing it normally. They knew the tactics. But how about Carl and Dan? I mean, do you, you haven't hmm. talked about necessarily your your gameplay, gameplay frustrations or not. Well,
1: well interesting. Uh, Moravius does say that they cranked up the difficulty at the last minute, which probably accounts for a lot of the faults that we've kind of picked with the game are probably just this little decision at Mm, the end of mm. development that suddenly thrown things a little awry Um, in a
0: cheap way rather than yeah yeah
1: with myself I've I've tried using various cheats I've tried uh, invincibility and still got frustrated with the like Tony says to be able to fall down holes because the platforming doesn't quite feel good and what have you and um, then I've tried it with uh, being able to continue from wherever you like and I, I it still the game still annoys me I'm afraid <laughs> um yeah I've I've not finished it even with cheats I've still <laughs> given up even though I know that I can get through it so there must be something about the gameplay that really just doesn't gel with me maybe it's uh, it's got a slight you know do you remember the old fifas where you had to wait for an animation to play out before you could do anything else it mm. has a touch of that to me which combined with having to jump over holes and what have you yeah um drove me away. But yeah, maybe if it had, had a, if I'd had the Japanese version, you know, maybe a different story. But yeah, I um, did find it that bit too difficult.
4: Two things I love with gaming are balance and tightness. Uh, and the two things that are lacking now, if they did bump the difficulty up at the 11th hour, which sounds like that's the case, then that would eliminate any form of balancing that took place through the entirety of development. Um, so that would throw that out the window. Uh, and in terms of tightness, I mentioned earlier at the start of the show that I don't particularly find him very precise to use uh, in in his combat. You know, I I can understand why Leon would find it satisfying and crunchy when he hits someone, but I'd never felt like I was in complete control of the character in the same way that I would with superior, or at least in my opinion, superior 2d brawlers, Mm. like Streets of Rage. Yeah. Um, And if I feel like I'm fighting the controls of a game, or the movements and animations of a character. That's something that's in my mind every time I'm playing, every encounter that I have, every platform I've got to jump. And there are, like you say, a few times where I don't I think there's much worse than a game when it tries to be a platformer when it is very caught. It's not a platforming game. Two Rock um, style. <laughs> Two Rock Half Life. Uh, Half Life Two jumping across um, the the containers and stuff like that. it. it you you break what the core of that game is to try and almost shoehorn another genre in. And there's a reason why elite platformers are great platformers, because yeah. that's what the focus was. Um, and any time a game like this tries it, you, it's one of those, you, you fail and you end up gripping your controller really hard until it's creaking because the rage is building up. Um, and I was quite fortunate that when I played through this game in one go, I was at, a, like I said, a gaming land in Birmingham. So essentially those days were dedicated purely to playing games i never had anything more important to do with that yeah, weekend sure. and i think if that was the case playing this at home where i could move on to another well i mean i could have moved on to another game then but where time is more limited you know whether it's work or projects or school or whatever and this continued to happen i would have just moved on and played something else um, where I had the time to sit down and dedicate as long as I needed to get that moment right, I was able to get through it, but I always felt like I was fighting those moments. Um, and, you know, any games on a losing battle with me, if I, if I feel that that's the case, you know, something, like you mentioned, Leon, something can be really difficult and it could be really hard, and I'm fine as long as it doesn't feel unfair. Um, and there are a lot of moments where that. Comic, where comics on does feel somewhat unfair
0: mm. the game also packs in as another attempt at uh, presumably attempt at um replayability uh the two endings <laughs> system which is pretty much done identically to how it was done in uh, the revenge of shinobi or aka super shinobi a much earlier mega drive title and a classic with the uh user kashiro soundtrack as well um this is to say that uh, right towards the end, Alyssa, who's up to this point been the one who knows what's going on, the one who gives you exposition, the one who seems quite cool and uh, and tough, she joins in with the fight and immediately gets kidnapped by by the baddie and shoved into a uh, into a nuclear missile, but also in a tank that's filling up with some sort of liquid. I don't know. Uh, is it what? Yeah, liquid. What just, yeah yeah um so there is if you do if you uh if you take out uh, the final boss in time um you can save her by pulling a switch and uh if not well you can if you want all the trophies and the achievements in <laughs> the uh, downloadable <laughs> version you just wait until she dies um and you get a there's basically there's a good and a bad ending so you know fair play to them for sticking those in um I only ever got the bad one on Shinobi, but um, on this one it was easy enough. Once you've worked out the pattern of the final boss, you can do it pretty much without uh, even taking much damage because um, if you get him to follow you, it's like a tall screen and uh, there are platforms at the side and in the middle. If you get him to just follow you down the screens, you can punch him now and again if you want. Um, but if you just keep on the move, he'll eventually turn, uh, follow you to the bottom of the screen, at which point you can pull a switch and he's standing right next to this uh, rocket booster of this missile. And he takes a big old chunk of damage when, when you do that. So um, surprisingly easy final boss once you've worked out what to do. Um, as I say, I, I'd actually forgotten that I hadn't quite done it because I'd also watched uh, these... Um you know speed run playthroughs, and I was thinking, no, I haven't done it myself yet, so went back to it today, and I was thinking, Oh, no final boss, this is going to drive me insane, isn't it? but I did it on my like my second mm. go um once I worked out the pattern, not too hard at all, and then I did it again straight away with the uh, with the other ending um again he's you know he's quite sort of um opulently animated, he's got a number of different attacks he can throw he can throw the aforementioned sort of um uh wasp type creatures at you and um fireballs and he also stops and smokes a pipe he taunts you a lot both in terms of speech and uh on-screen speech bubbles which is sort of an interesting choice when you think about it the fact that they both speak and speak um in two different fashions I'm not sure what that's different about Different
4: form of subtitle
0: Yeah <laughs> um but yes um,
4: it's a, it, it's a fascinating ending though don't you think that, that if you save her um You both leave the world to come back to yes. the real world. Yes, um, he gets a girl and, basically out of it. You know, well, you say he gets the girl, but mm. she goes and just joins the army. So she obviously realizes that he looks like a massive douchebag douche, and leaves yeah.
1: him. And she's made of ink.
4: Well, yeah, and, and <laughs> you think the army would do more research into who they're recruiting, right? Because she becomes like high up in the army. So
3: You're no good. She's not looking wh- at
4: birth records. Yeah.
3: Thinking not. too deep again.
0: James, these James. we just didn't, didn't think it out. We've been confused oh. by uh by another twenty mm. years of software development and industry <laughs> movement. Um but yeah, the darker ending um sort of implies that there is more yet to come. Uh which there wasn't in terms of a sequel, which we'll talk about in a sec. Um, Tony, mm. how did you get on with the final boss fight? Dan, you obviously didn't. So, <laughs>
3: um, uh, pretty much the same as you. It's just finding that pattern, realizing that you could pull the switch and, and kill him with the rocket. Well, the rocket booster is doing a huge amount of damage. It doesn't take uh, a, you know, a rocket scientist. Whoa, um, to nice. to um, you're on fire <laughs> uh, to sorry, work. So I, I was actually surprised of how easy that end boss fight was considering how some of the uh, I would say some of the sub bosses were tricky little characters to get over um, mm. how the end boss fight it, it was more about you you had a a time limit to achieve it by and I th- I think that was probably the the more kind of oh god I got to get I got to kill him I know how to do it but I've got to get get him to the lower platform but actually the execution of it was fairly straightforward which is was something nice yeah. <laughs> for once to say for an, uh, yeah, an end boss really-
0: fight <laughs> yeah um one thing i did want to mention again i sort of touched upon it earlier which is the the rental market um there's a really fascinating video with double fine playing with uh, one of the guys who used to work for virgin on the mega drive games um particularly most notably for the jungle book and the lion king the the yeah early mm-hmm. mid 90s disney tie-ins which came after a, dave perry's aladdin but we're looking to to hit the same market and um, the guy who they had on, whose name escapes me currently, was talking very um, specifically about how, because of the, the size of the rental market at that point, obviously kids renting games from Blockbuster or their parents getting them for them for $5 or whatever, rather than you know trying to afford $60 a cartridge, they quite deliberately made their games have a massive difficulty spike about three levels in. <laughs> Because they didn't want people completing them when they rented them, they wanted them to rent them, but then buy them, you know, afterwards, kind of thing. So, um, a lot of Mega Drive games and SNES games of that era, especially the Western-developed ones, were their design was really informed by that that idea that you had to have a horrible difficulty spike um, before halfway in the game, basically, to 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 stop the renters getting any further. Mm-hmm. So, the problem is, is
1: that that's horrible for the people that then have spent full yeah. price on it buying it, isn't it? So. They
0: should have released rental versions of games, but obviously that would have been complicated. But, yeah, so sometimes it's, it's well worth remembering, though, if you are well, battling the through. So, the
1: sort of do
4: these days, though, don't they? With the likes of EA Access and 10-hour trials, you actually mm. do pay rentals for rental versions of games. Mm. Um, but it goes, it goes to show you, doesn't it, that the developers and publishers have pushed for uh, countermeasures to make money. Outside of simple renting processes, from you know online passes and whatnot, they were doing mm-hmm. it way back then with difficulty spikes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've all we've all played games of this generation where it goes along rather pleasantly for two, three levels, and it's like, whoa, what just yep. happened? Sort of, yeah.
0: My point being that it's well worth remembering. This is a general thing for the, you know those of our listeners who like going back to old games, and, um, yeah. and and us that actually, if if you are getting to a really really sticky point what feels like too early in the game don't necessarily give up because if you do get past that it doesn't it's not like the rest of the game's just going to be harder and harder and harder if anything this is probably the hardest bit in the game that you're you're on now uh, so just just something to remember so at some point uh, although there was no sequel peter moravietz said that we began working on a sonic themed saturn game as our next project so that was would have been extreme um, that everyone's seen screenshots of, I think. Uh, he says, I developed a quick pitch for a 3D-based comic zone during some downtime, including a sample storyboard, which showed how the character might transition in and out of comic book panels in a 3D implementation. I seem to recall that there were some inquiries from Marvel and a lot of interest from Japan to create a licensed uh, licensed comic zone games, but nothing ever came out of mm. it, as far as I know. Now it's time we hear from our community at uh, kenorince.com slash forum. We've uh, we've had a few considering uh, the nature of this game and its age and whatever, starting with Flabio. Glenn Watts, he says it's very pretty, but I've always found it far too difficult to be any fun. Might give it another go. Also, the main character reminds me too much of Brent from the PvP webcomic, which makes it hard to take seriously. Uh, That reference is lost on me, but
4: Uh, I actually I, I didn't know what he was talking about. So I did a search and there is there is a similarity. But it's pretty funny that a character from a comic looks like a character from a (laughs) comic-based comic game. Yeah,
0: seems to work. War says, I've been a huge comic book fan my whole life and I remember really wanting to play Comic Zone when it was released back in 1995, but for some reason, I didn't pick it up. Fast forward several years and I finally got my hands on the game as part of the Mega Drive collection on the PS3. The game looks great and I love the use of comic panels to get from one section of the level to the next. Having said that, though... I didn't see much of the game due to how hard it gets.
1: I think the unknown reason that he didn't pick it up at the time is um, we all knew someone at that point who had a PlayStation, I think, by the time this would have <laughs> hit the shelves. And I guess we were all sort of overtaken with that next-gen mm. hype at that point. Yeah. Or imports, yeah, Saturns were about and what have you. So, yeah. yeah, I think it just kind of missed a lot of people's radar in terms of actually buying it and playing it. Yeah, I think yeah, I, th-
4: so. I think time time and places is probably a very good reason, especially considering all the magazines we'd seen pictures of you know, Ridge Racer and Ballerina Toshinden Den and, yeah. and whatnot and thinking, ooh, it's the future.
0: Famous uh, famously late gen games get kind of underappreciated yeah. or underexposed at the time because of Yeah, the the transition. Deacon Zero Five O C Says I was a Sega player growing up. I had both Master System and Genesis before I finally got with Nintendo during the N64 era. Comic Zone was one of the last games I played on the Genesis before taking a break for a couple of years. I loved the aesthetic as a 10 year old and I still love it at 30. A bright design and a pretty cool soundtrack which I own because it came with the game and sadly got damaged. I never finished it as a kid and even as an adult on my Vita playing the Sega Genesis collection I still haven't beaten it. But I get a little bit further each time. It does have a pretty steep difficulty, which may have turned people away. (laughs) Comic Zone, while not a masterpiece, is a pretty good example of some of the hard work Sega did during the 90s. Thank you, Deacon. And finally, we have this uh, terrific one from Alex, who has played along not only with the show, but ahead of the show in time to get his thoughts. So thanks, Alex. He says, I never owned this the first time around, but when I repurchased a Sega Mega Drive 12 years ago, it was one of the first games I sought out. I remember pretty much hitting a brick wall of difficulty and never actually giving it that much time in the end. I still have the original cartridge somewhere up in the loft, but for ease of use I decided to play the version included on the PSP Mega Drive collection. On first loading the game it struck me just how incredibly beautiful it was. Still is. Visually it's simply stunning. The art style, the animation, and it holds up too. Even now it still looks very fresh. So how does it play? Well, what first first appears to be a standard, simple button-mashing brawler, albeit with a very pretty face, actually hides an incredibly complex and varied fighting system. There are a full arsenal of punches, kicks and barges at our hero sketch's disposal, and you'll need to use different combinations of them to defeat each particular enemy. Some enemies are immune to the uppercut, for example, whereas low kicks will be your best friend with others. Knowing when to block and when to attack is absolutely essential if you want to get past the first few screens too. Then there's Roadkill, your trusty pet rat. Far more than a cosmetic addition to the game, Roadkill will scavenge items for you by tearing a hole in the background, activate switches, and in a move you would never get away with now, scare female attackers into running away. So far, so good, right? Well, not really. Whilst there is a lot to love with Comic Zone, there is plenty to hate. The game is downright unfair in places. Frequently, you'll find obstacles blocking your way. You can punch your way through these barriers, but it'll cost you energy except you are forced to fight through them. Thus, you'll often see your energy draining away through no fault of your own. There are also places where you need to use roadkill to activate a switch, but he ran away on the (laughs) last screen and hasn't come back. So you're stuck. And you might as well start the game again, because whilst you can punch your way through that spinning fan or explosive barrel, you'll be left with so little energy it's not worth carrying on. Fortunately, death only ever puts you back to the beginning of the chapter, But still, it became a major annoyance for me when sometimes your fate was completely in the hands of blind luck. There were several cheap deaths too. On more than one occasion, I found myself being nudged into mines or down bottomless pits by off-screen flying enemies. Tough luck Start again. The bosses, of which there are only three, were actually quite enjoyable. All seemed quite fair and had a set of moves that could be anticipated and blocked or dodged. And the final boss could be felled in seconds if you knew what you were doing. I completed the game twice, once with the good ending and once with the bad. I found the game to be overly difficult, unfair and plain annoying in places, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy it. The minute to minute gameplay, the actual fighting is highly enjoyable and it's just so bloody gorgeous. <coughs> I may even run through it again just to watch that lovely animation and see those comic panels come to life. Could I recommend it? For the art, yes. For the combat, yes. But you'll need a lot of patience to see all it has to offer. Personally, I'm just glad that after over 10 years, I can finally check this one off the list. Thanks, Alex. Brilliant. Um, we love it when people mm. play along. And if, if you play along in advance and give us a piece of feedback like that, then, yeah, we really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, and it is great to get those, those old games off your list, I think, sometimes. Now we also have uh, brief and pithy three-word reviews from Twitter, at Kane and Rince. Starting with Dan.
1: Rich Stanton says, great concept. Oops.
0: Alex Dawler, brutal, beautiful brawler. James Day says that the CD version rules. Pettier. Etch a sketch.
1: Clever. Stuart Cullen says Real Page Turner. Clever.
4: And Eric Jones says One Interesting Issue. Also clever.
0: Well Mm. done, everybody. like that. (laughs) The cleverer the better with the three-word reviews. Right, let's uh, wrap it up with a brief summary of uh, our time with Comic Zone and whether we'd recommend people seek it out and play it for themselves now, starting with Carl.
4: I think Comic Zone is a great concept. Uh, the the idea of moving pin to pin, beautifully animated in two D, really appeals to me. But the game itself felt woefully short. Um, whether this was would have been the case if I would played it the fourteen years prior when I wanted to, or whether it was because in two thousand and nine you played so many great games, um, both two D and three D that it feels a little bit rough around the edges. Uh. It's a game, I think if I saw it remade, I'd I'd like to see a version on the 3DS. I think the the 2D on the panels with a 3D effect would be really cool Mm -hmm. and freshen it up a bit. Or Ultimately, a game using a similar concept on the the current gen of consoles or PC, whatever, with the really sharp visuals, beautiful colour patches all hand-drawn, would look utterly jaw-droppingly gorgeous. And obviously, without the limitations of a small cartridge, we could actually have a really great expansive experience with, you know, all the fantastic animations and combat that comes with it. So I I think conceptually it's really, really good. Even now, (laughs) even 20 years on, I think it's a formula that would work if it was utilized correctly. It's just, unfortunately for me, Comic Zone as an experience to play now falls somewhat short because, on the, you know, on the, the difficulty, unfair needle, it leans more towards unfair for me. And, and for that, I would I would say pass if, you know, unless you really, really wanted to play it. So, yeah, for me, it was a somewhat underwhelming when I finally got around to it. But as a concept, yeah, I, I absolutely. I'd like to see one more go.
0: Thanks, Carl. Yeah, my my misgivings that I had at the time that stopped me from buying it and playing it were mostly founded, as it turned out. Um, as I say, the the aesthetic, while technically good, um, technically impressive for the Mega Drive, I should say, um, in, you know, aesthetic including audio, uh, was not really to my tastes. But having seen it in motion, having played it and having been all the way through it now, um, I appreciate the, the visual stylings a little more, even though I still don't like the character much. Um, and as I say, I did actually have a lot of fun punching and kicking the enemies. There's a bit more to the combat than I was expecting. Um, It's not exactly, you know, it's not exactly Street Fighter 4 or something. Uh, Don't get me wrong, but it feels crunchy and satisfying in the way that I like a brawler two. And it's got some really nice crisp uh, crackling Mega Drive sound effects, which I like. Um, But ultimately I cheesed my way through the game using save states because it's so pernickety and brutal and, It's, it feels like a game of its type, of its, uh, of its origin, I suppose, in that I used to associate games that were really unfair and, um, yeah, in this particular way where, where it would do things like take energy off you for, to clear a barrier that you needed to clear because you'd had no idea that you were coming up to it. it it's something that I associated with Western and maybe even more specifically American game design back in the 90s. Um, and if, if they did indeed uh, kind of bolster the difficulty level at the last minute, um, I'm not sure that was a good move because I think ultimately people would, even if they had finished this game quickly for their money, they would have ultimately remembered it more fondly if they'd played through it six times, having a lot of fun all the way through than uh, than just about scraping through it or giving up on the second level um, and getting frustrated because... Um, yeah, I mean, but having said that, you know, I've watched people playing through this in twelve minutes on YouTube. <laughs> it's entirely possible to do it. You can go through it without ever dying. You can never re- reach any trouble if you learn it enough. So it's you know, it's not it's not the impossible game or anything. But overall, I wouldn't strongly recommend that people play it today. Uh, only out of a curiosity. But yeah, cool idea, Tony. This was your cool idea. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I, mean, I I echo everything that's
3: been said by yourself and Carl, but I mean I, I'll add a little bit more on that. I think, um, you know, conceptually it's rich, but executionally it, it feels fairly poor by today's standards. I mean, what what it has going for it is as a as a game back from '95. There's there's many many titles that have been forgotten um, around that era, but there's something about Comic Zone. That I think it's it has etched in itself into the the history books a bit. Um, And I think it's got everything to do with, with that initial art design. I, I think it's as strong today as it probably was, uh, or even it would have been more so back in, in 95. Um, And that is why you'd probably come and play, play this game now. I think execution-wise, I think maybe we're a different type of gamer now. I'm not saying it's not for everyone. I can think of, you know other games like Mega Man, etc that are you know extremely hard but i feel that you know they have a lot more on their balance of well you know it's it's more down to the player ability rather than the, the game failure and i think this probably falls a bit far on the the game fails you rather than the player fails you but having seen a few people just you know seemingly play this game like there there is no difficulty curve clearly that can be obtained by you know a dedication uh, of or, or a love towards this title, which sadly you know, I don't think I will ever obtain because um, you know playing a game through save states or feeling that you have to play the game through save states to, to see the end screen come up, I never find particularly enjoyable and and it's the same case here. So I'm glad we picked it off. You know, it's a game that um, you know I've always been interested in. It's a game that has. Itself into history through its through its art style, um, but it's it's not one that I could ever really turn to somebody and say, "Oh, you should check that out from this era because it, it represents you know everything about a game in that generation." Um, I think it's interesting, but completely flawed. Uh, so yeah, one more for the uh, to be saved to the archives rather than one to to dig out and experiment with yourself, unless it's cheap, unless you you can listen to this episode and think, "Ah, oh, yeah." I would like to see the art style in motion because you know, to me that that is why you come to this game. So yeah, maybe
0: a pass. But actually it is cheap, I think. Mm. If you oh, yeah. I mean it, you can buy the the Mega Drive Ultimate Collection um for like a few quid and that's an amazing and emulation. Compilation to have anyways. This, this yeah. is relatively available. Emulation, of course, always. and there's the standalone downloadable and version, I which I th- guess they're both about three. Yeah, the three
3: sixty version it, it seemed perfectly fine to me. I didn't really feel like I run into any frame rate issues, etc. It, it it was a great way of, you know, representing a game that, you know, you know many, many years down the line that it was just easily accessible. I, I assume all that stuff's still available, so
0: Yeah. It, as I say, that that range doesn't have the best emulation, nah. but it's adequate. It's is passable. You you'll notice the difference if you play really good emulation, but standalone it it's you know, it's it well, does. I yeah, I have got a mega drive I can drag out, but I'm pretty sure that cartridge
3: It's probably relatively expensive to give a a decent version of it. Don't know, actually. Mm.
0: Interesting question. Let's conclude with the Mega Drive maestro, Dan Clark.
1: So I've done something a bit weird here. Um, Probably (laughs) not surprising. Um, So yeah, we'll kind of start off as a poem and then just go into my thoughts. Um, Some contemporary context for Comic Zone. The console market's rolling on with a rolling start. We've played Daytona. We've seen the future, the Polygon. The Saturn's had its promise shown, the wait to own it won't be long, and Sonic sat there on his throne, nursing bruises from Rare and Donkey Kong. Still, I'll be back on the Saturn, he chuckles, ignoring the warnings. But with all due respect, in 94, Sega took a rap across the knuckles. No lock-on cartridge could stop the knock-on effect. It's not the gold throne Sonic's come to expect. It's black and uncomfortable plastic effect. But gold thrones rely on untold wealth. This one's made of melted, unsold 32Xs. So what does this have to do with Comic Zone? On its own, not a lot. But I like the bigger picture. Especially when it directly relates to Sega failing to see the bigger picture. It's funny because as my interest in narrative based games has waned over the past decade, I've become more and more interested in the stories behind the games rather than the stories in the games. That's why I love cane and rinse and profuse apologies for not caning and rinsing comic zone. I've tried so many times, three or four, three or four in the past couple of weeks <laughs> with cheese. Um, though I have both caned and rinsed the soundtrack. If that kind of gets me a sort of half mark. Yeah, yeah. And the overarching story of Sega as a company, I love how it seems to bleed through into the games themselves. I've said it on other podcasts I've been on, but um, this one seems to me like their, their eye was off the ball with STI. And do you know the the last day of school before the summer holidays where you take in board games and what have you? Mm-hmm. Um, the late-era Mega Drive games from STI kind of make me think of that, like The Ooze and um, Comic Zone have both got quite an odd feel to them. They're, um, they're both overly difficult, so maybe someone should have kept a closer eye on that. But um, yeah, to me... They were told, right, you're not making any more Sonic games. Well, there was Sonic Extreme, but um, I think that was still going to be a way off because they hadn't yeah. decided which engine they were going to use. They wanted to use the Knight's engine and Yuji um, Naka didn't want them using that and it all got a bit funny. So, yeah, this seems to me like they were told, okay, you're, you're going to be doing this in the future. What For the next year, make a couple of Mega Drive games. Um, and, again, it just, for me, sort of ins- uh, enshrines that sort of Sega complacency that led to it all going wrong but um I, I like it for what it is it's a it's got a i like the aesthetic i like the style i think it's a great game on paper if you'll excuse the pun but um i don't think it yeah quite gels together it feels i don't know if unfinished is the word or um just inconsistent maybe is the best way to put it like like we were saying with the platforming and what have you um However, I would like to make a comic mm-hmm. zone 2, and thank you for the idea to kickstart this. I think um, <laughs> if yeah, we should find like some indie dev because in this, do you remember that Sonic Dreams collection that's come out mm-hmm. recently? Uh, for, this is in two thousand and fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, um, like we're in kind of a sort of post modern world, especially with uh, Sega retro stuff. It seems like this could work. That you have a comic zone 2 That is the people from Sega Technical Institute being drawn into a Comic Zone cartridge by Sketch Turner. And then, yeah, so they're then having to play through their version of the Mega Drive game in a modern game. And um, yeah, so I'm Comic Zone there. 2, yeah, exactly. We're, yeah, we're on the ball for that. Um, and with the original, yeah, if you haven't played it, at least give it a go or a look or watch someone else playing it. Like like Leon says, one of the 12-minute playthroughs <laughs> We'll get you there. Um, I, but as Carl says, I'd love to see them do something with it, or at least another developer run with the idea. Um, and I can see it happening. It's one of those ideas that will crop up again and again, I think. And the name I mean? seems
3: uh, un- weirdly strong still. I, I think if you say Comic Zone, a lot of people... Go, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know Comic Zone. Um, even if a lot of people haven't played it. So,
1: But with, with your... Yeah, I think its legacy is strong compared to... The mm. actual game itself. So maybe we also see. I'll back your
3: Kickstarter if it comes with a comic. <laughs> I
1: Excellent. will do that. Can you draw? <laughs> um, badly. will do. But hey, oh yeah, that would kind of work. Cause Sketch Turner wasn't there to draw it. We never have much so, of a yeah.
0: narrative. Meta It'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, brilliant. Just remains for me, Leon, to thank Carl, Tony, and the inimitable Dan. We're looking forward to having you on the next uh, volume, no doubt, when we've thought of some games that you can uh, wax lyrical about again, maybe literally. And uh, I must tell you all that next time in issue 196, is it our number one puzzle game, or do we think it's a big pile of number twos? Threes!
2: Stomping.